0: Everybody and welcome back to Season 8 of Sequelizers. I'm your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. Gentlemen, it's come to my attention that a breakaway Russian
1: Republic, Kryblakistan, is about to transfer a nuclear warhead to the United Nations in a few days. Here's the plan. We get the warhead, and we hold the royal ransom for...
0: 1 million episodes of Sequelizers! <laughs> uh, so a, a, a lot has changed since you've hosted a podcast, and uh, there's it, not as many episodes as you might think. Joe Rogan's oh, nearly there. Really? Uh, I think okay. Nerdist has nearly got there as well, and uh, oh. Ricky Gervais probably passed a hundred, uh, passed a million a little while uh, ago. So okay,
1: right. well then, one hundred billion episodes of sequelizers.
2: <gasps>
0: and joining that nefarious evil man. With a
3: devilish beard. And myself. It's Tim Mayton. My God, Matt's got a fabulous body. I bet he shags like a minx. How do I let him know that because of the unfreezing process, I have no inner monologue? I hope I didn't just say that all out loud just now. Locked in the vault, Tim. Locked in the vault.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I hope I didn't just... Say that into a microphone that's recording a podcast <laughs> <Yeah. right. laughs> going Considering out just sh- thousands of preserve listeners. Preserve that all it. for all eternity. Considering what's in yeah. our fucking outtakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, if you hadn't already guessed, then where have you been? I think that's that. There's some pretty good teasers. I think a lot of people will be guessing this film already. Shrek 3. Shrek 3. I mean, that's not a million miles away, Matthew. Yeah, we'll, talk, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about it in a moment. Before we get to talking about the film, before we get to fixing the terrible sequel, before we get to the synopses and our history with the franchise and all that kind of stuff, let's give a little shout out to patreon.com slash sequelizers and our dear patrons. You can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers. You can get ad-free episodes. You can get early access to the episodes. You get bonus content. We talk about strippers and stand by Eminem for like <laughs> 20 minutes <laughs> for some reason. In the and an alcohol. People taste might be rubbing it their hands out.
1: and go, Oh wow, strip club stories. No, 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 no. Not
0: female strippers. Mm. Oh, I have I have <laughs> one of them, but I'm not telling that yet. And that's safe for the outtakes later. Jesus. Um you can get all that kind of stuff. Bonus episodes, like I said, when it comes to the inter-season stuff, there's bonus outtakes during the main seasons where we are now. There is exclusive merch. There's discounts on merch and everything in the shop. And if you go up to the executive producer tiers, you can get a shout-out on the show. Just like these fine people did. Then at least speak English, English. All
3: right, my son. Andy Steen. I could have had it away with his cracking Judy, my old china.
0: Mike Salvia. Are you telling pork pies in a bag of trout? Because if you are feeling quiggly, why not just have a J. Arthur? Josh Miles. What, Billy, no, mates. So right, you. Xenos. Don't you remember the creme din din we had with the grotty scotch mm. bin? Jonathan Firth-Clark Oh, the one that was
3: all sixes and sevens! Yeah, yeah she was a travelling striper. for the dance who lived up the apples and pears! Yes, yeah, she was the
0: barrister that became a yeah. bobby and a lorry! And Josh van der <laughs> And they <came> got
1: <laughs> on the gun in the Bob near yeah, St. Regis in a, in a tea, tea kettle! kettle. Yes. And, then, and then she, she, she sat on, on a turtle! turtle.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Thank you very much, gentlemen. As always, for your support, it means the world to us allows us to do this show for free for everyone else, allows us to produce more episodes, create more content, create more merchandise, and build the ever-growing empire that is the sequelizers. Imperium sine fine. Exactly. Fit the word sequel in Latin there, please, Matthew. (laughs) Imperium
1: sine fine sequelatum.
0: Thank you. Sequelatum, yeah, we'll take that. Probably not at all. (laughs) If you want links to the shop and all that kind of stuff, and links to the Patreon, you can go to sequelizers.com. It's all in one place. It's lovely. Go and check it out. The hub of information for everything possible you could need for sequelizers. And thank you to everyone who supports us. Thank you for reviewing us and all that kind of stuff. If you can't support us monetarily, I know not everybody can. It's been a pretty tough 18 months. So yeah, thank you everybody. We appreciate the support whenever and wherever you can provide it. So... You have not already guessed from the little quotes at the beginning there. You're talking about a particular franchise that started in the sort of late 90s, going through to the early 2000s, and then disappeared off the face of the earth for the last 20 years.
3: Good. <laughs> well, it, it, it hasn't been in cinemas. It has been th- quoted to death by people oh. with no sense of humour. Yep.
0: It has been... Yeah, the, the quotes and the impressions and all the stuff is just so. I will get onto this moment, but rewatching these films, it was just like, oh yeah, I remember when everyone on the playground said that thing nonstop for nine months until the next <laughs> film came out. Yeah. And I just wanted to kind of blow my brains out. We are, in fact, talking about the Austin Powers franchise, specifically fixing Austin Powers 3, also known as Gold Member. Uh, no,
3: officially known as Austin Powers in Goldmember. Yes, it doesn't
2: thank, make any sense. <laughs> I mean, in a gold it, member, it,
0: it, it's a it's a Bond thing, right? It's like Goldmember is the name of the film, and he's in Goldmember. Yeah, I and think also, it's, meant to it's also uh, the
3: posters, isn't it, uh, of of classic Bond movies yeah. where it would say like James Bond in. in yeah, V-R-I's yeah, no, I know. But I it's just think it's bullshit. Me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> exactly. So. I'm going to kick things off with my history with this franchise because, good lord, was this a part of my <laughs> middle school, high school years? Because mm-hmm. I was far too old, uh, far too sorry, far too old, far too young for the the first two films. But when Goldmember came out in 2002, I had just turned 12, and oh boy, are these films perfect for a 12 year old boy's sense of yeah. humor? <laughs> we went to see Goldmember in the cinema, as like a birthday treat, I think it was either for me or one of my friends, because it came out in like October, I think, or like or around about the sort of like mm. August, September, October mm. kind of time. It was my summer birthday, in America. My it in September. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah, somebody's birthday, possibly my birthday, we all went and saw it and it was like the best thing we'd ever done as 12-year-olds, because Mm. everything is hilarious to a 12-year-old boy, basically. (laughs) And uh, revisiting this franchise as a now 30-year-old man, (laughs) quite a different experience. But yeah, I think that these these three films, and the fact that I know I say this a lot, I go for a while without, oh, I haven't seen this one in a decade. Mm. They all just kind of blur into one. Mm. The first two definitely blur into one for me. There's moments where I was like, Oh, is that joke from one or from two? And because they repeat a lot of the jokes and there's a lot of callbacks and stuff throughout the series, mm. I was like, "Oh, the oh, that one's in one, right?" So he then references the, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And God, every there is a joke every like minute in this film. That's generous. <laughs> maybe, maybe, no, but <laughs> joke maybe joke is a stronger and an irritating quotable <laughs> line. How about that? <laughs>
1: A, a set piece. For, I'll get my semantics later, but yes, yeah. I, know, I know what you're saying. It is literally just mm. yeah, many rapid fire succession.
0: It is rapid yeah. fire, silly voices. Mike Myers playing multiple characters, all this kind of stuff. We'll get yeah. into snop- if you're not familiar with the franchise, we'll get into synopses and stuff at a minute yeah. to give you yeah. a bit more context. But Tim, I'll throw it over to you. What's your history with the Austin Powers franchise?
3: So, if memory serves, because I, I I I didn't look into this but i seem to remember that the 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 first film was a little bit of a sleeper hit when it first came out yeah and it didn't blow up the box office but it did very well on on vhs you are Um, spot on sir yeah yeah and so i definitely didn't see the first one in cinema i would uh, even though i would have been 11 or 12 when it came out it was a 15 when
1: it came out Mm-hmm. Oh, so there would not 12. legally have been, yeah. Yeah. It's been. It's been
0: retroactively called a PG thirteen, but at yeah. the time mm. when it came out, it was yeah, yeah, controversially like R rated in America and stuff, and people mm. were freaking out about it because of the yeah. implied nudity. There is no actual nudity in the film, to be clear. No, it's clever yes. camera trickery bullshit. But it's in, it's yeah. constantly hinted at and is essentially nudity most of the time. Mm, and yeah. there's probably like a few nipples. And if you really, really zoom in, you can probably see Mike Myers' cock a couple of times. But like, yeah, <laughs> on VHS that's, that's, technology. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. you know, zoom in and enhance on VHS. <laughs> how that works.
3: Um. Yeah. So I I think I I think I saw the first two at home. Like on VHS, on you know, at at sleepovers with like, yeah, with sort of twelve, thirteen year old kids. They are uh, the perfect
0: that age kids sleepover movies.
3: Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think Goldmember is the only one I saw in cinema. Same here. Yep. Which I would have, I would have been sixteen when that came out. So still an idiot. <laughs> I think even then I was aware that gold member was was the weakest uh and there's as we will get into so many jokes so much of gold member is just repeating jokes from previous from previous films and this is a franchise that already loves to repeat a joke and hammer it into the ground until it's no longer funny yeah Um, like if it if it thinks something is funny it will do it eight times in a row I'm almost impressed how ad nauseum it is, how it's just literally Yeah
1: choked to death. And you're like, mm-hmm. Oh my god, this wasn't funny a little while ago. And it's that's the kind of a humor that engages that age. You're like, ha, mm-hmm. do it again.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all catchphrases and stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I you know, I this this would have been around this time would have been when South Park South Park first came out. Mm-hmm. And for for a teenager of that age it was it was very similar of like uh, it they'd say naughty stuff and there's like oh uh, we oh my god you kill kenny is the same as like you know mm. oh shagadelic baby um mm. and but i do i also genuinely think like i think all three films less as they go on but i think all of them have good jokes in them and like we say they are incredibly rapid fire joke machines um they are not particularly interested in characterization or anything of that matter all they are interested is firing out as many jokes as they possibly can per minute Mm. and that means that they often fall back on like oh we found this joke that works we found this funny voice that works we're just going to shoot it out again and again and again Mm. but it does mean that they also they do occasionally strike gold and and re-watching these for for getting ready for this there were moments even in in gold member where i was like that's pretty fucking funny yep. or you know Same. i would have a i would have a laugh or a giggle or whatever
0: i, th- I found myself in especially thinking like oh, that's not funny and then like like you said they will do something eight times on mm-hmm. the third time i'm laughing yeah <laughs> and then by the time number five i'm like okay, okay uh, number six okay yeah uh, yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep that's um, yeah it outstays and, and then there's eight. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's the classic thing that like Family Guy kind of expanded on, where they linger on the shot for too long on purpose mm. to try and mm. make a joke of it. The classic, ah, ah, oh, Peter God, holding yeah. his knee, and yeah, that yeah. thing was quoted and cut to a million times and repeating mm. every single funny little joke, yeah, over and over and... again. And it's like, oh, this one's funny, and they held it for too long, and that's a joke on top of another joke. Mm. Like, okay, yeah.
3: It'll and sometimes that, again. sometimes things like that do work well. Like the the scene where Austin is trying is in in the first film where he's got the the car wedged in the corridor and he's trying to turn it around. That is funny because of how long it goes on. But when it's a case of something like annoying voices saying variations on the same line over and over again, it quickly becomes grating. And a lot it,
0: of the... Doctor Evil stuff is just like, yes. oh, he's doing a silly voice. Great.
3: Yeah, and unfortunately, they they don't seem to particularly as time goes on distinguish between what is funny and what is not. But we're getting into dissecting the film rather than like history. Yeah. But so yeah, I would have seen I would have seen both the first two on VHS, probably the year after they came out. You know, because they were as much as it didn't blow up the box office. The first one was popular on VHS, and it was the kind of thing that you'd watch with your mates, you know, or whatever um, at home. And yeah, and then I think I, I saw Goldmember in the cinema and was like Well that was a bit of a damp squib to to end it on, but I guess but I guess you've gotta do a trilogy, haven't you? Apparently. <laughs> Question that's mark. the rules. Uh, I mean that's the yeah. rules
0: nowadays as well, to be fair.
3: Yes. Uh well now nowadays we'd have the fucking Austin Powers Shit, cinematic yes. universe. Yeah. We'd have a fat bastard spin off. Oh um, God.
0: just called bastard. <laughs>
3: yeah. Uh, so, Matt?
1: So, I'm going to sound very dour and very down on these films, but I will turn it around at the end, just as a caveat, uh, and an open disclaimer. First things first, because of my age at the time, Jack mentioned about the 12 year old birthday party kind of thing. I remember going to the cinema around about being 12 and thinking, oh, I'm going to watch films that are 12 now, or, you know, mm-hmm. a close enough approximation to that are more adult, and in inverted commas, I watched Brian De Palma's Mission Impossible. Um, really enjoyed it. That was like the first time I saw it on my own. Good, good film? It's a good film. The year later, Austin Powers came out. And as you say, nobody really knew about it. It was only when I was in, like, blockbuster, before I moved to Norwich. And I was like, this is a thing. It looks quite interesting. I like Bond films. I watch Bond films. It's a thing that's going to be, you know, that kind of thing. Watched it. Really enjoyed it. Then moved to Norwich. I saw The Spy Who Shagged Me in the cinema, in 1999. Um, yeah, really fucking enjoyed it. I, I like the new additional characters. I like the general twist of like, you know, man from the past comes to... And we'll discuss the synopsis. Man from the past comes to the future. Man from... You know, who's adapted to the future goes back to the past. Uh, ha ha Don't know we can go with the third one. 2002. I'm now a, mm, yeah 18 years old. And I'm watching Goldmember of the cinema and I'm thinking, this is dog shit. <laughs> I hate this. And I watched it fairly recently. Um, not necessarily for this, I was just watching it because I think I was one of the people who put on the master list gold member, not the spy of Shagman. I thought, was I right to do that? And then I watched it. I thought, oh, no, 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 no. I still like International Man of Mystery, the first Austin Powers film. I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of really strong parody stuff. I think there's a lot of silly commentary. The jokes are ridiculous. And do a Paul Feig's Bridesmaids is the same thing where it's like, my main criticism is like, you could have wrapped this up a little bit of a go and the film wouldn't be two fucking hours long and it would be much tighter and, you know. But I think to myself, yeah, it's, it's, it's a series of parody-based stuff on things I'm familiar with and sketches and voices that work mostly. And, and the, the absurdity of, of those kind of movies. Hmm. Spy of Shag Me is more ridiculous with it, but having the alternate versions of the cast, being young versions and things like that, which again, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. It was a nice twist on it. Gold member for me made me very angry and made me hate the franchise more, because <laughs> by then it had been, as you guys have mentioned, quoted by so many wankers, so much, and you end up resenting and hating the thing because it exists. I mean, I should clarify, I owned all three of these on on DVD. Of course you do. Of course I do. Um, and I don't think... I have Blu-ray, how dare you. No, not Blu-ray, admittedly. Um, I don't think I'll bother upgrading. Fuck it. DVD's perfectly fine. Yeah, so it, I, I'd still think it's an Missy holds way, and I would probably think some of the jokes are like, ah, eh, this could this is winding on a bit. By the third one, I actually completely disagree with you guys. I'll come back to that later, but I, I think that the third one doesn't really have anything funny in it. Except maybe one aspect. Um, but most of it, I'm like... But what about Mike Myers doing a Scottish accent and saying the word crap a lot? <laughs> See, that's fine in the second one, because it's new. Why don't I say, oh, yes, hello, this is my character, I roller skate. And, but we'll get back to that.
0: We'll get well, back well, yeah, to that. Well, yeah. Future so, spoilers, Matthew, future spoilers. Future spoilers. <laughs> um, so so I, I, I have
1: learned to, or grown to hate the idea of the franchise, based solely on the <laughs> third film, even though I like the first two. It's like Shrek, where I like the first film, but my loathing of the second and my frustration—no, frustration with the second loathing of third and fourth make me hate all of it. Because I see... Mm. Th- it's, it's like when you're watching like Force Awakens or Last Jedi, I'm like, I know where this is fucking going and I'm not happy. Or like, oh, yeah. Game of Thrones, I'll start episode... No, there's no point in starting episode one. I know where this is going. And fuck that shit. It's, it's like it, it sullies it somehow, even though it, it shouldn't because it's a standalone.
0: So let's get into some synopses, shall we? And just in case you listeners aren't familiar with the franchise, aren't familiar with the... 1997, 1999, and 2002 films. I'll hand over from my dear colleague and fellow spy, Tim Mayton.
3: Thank you. So, we begin in 1997 with Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. In 1967, British spy Austin Powers, played by Mike Myers, thwarts an assassination attempt by his nemesis, Dr. Evil, also played by Mike Myers, uh, in a London nightclub. Which we
0: don't know at 1st It, it mm. they they hover the reveal for quite a while in the
3: first place. Yes. Uh, Dr. Evil escapes to space, cryogenically freezing himself, and Austin volunteers to be placed in cryostasis, too, in case Dr. Evil ever returns. 30 years later, Dr. Evil returns to Earth, discovering that in his absence, his Lieutenant Number 2 has turned Virtucon, the front business for Evil's criminal activities, into a multi-billion dollar company. However, Dr. Evil is uninterested in legitimate business and conspires to steal nuclear weapons and hold the world hostage for $1 million, a figure he updates to $100 billion when he learns about inflation. He also learns that in his absence, his henchmen have artificially conceived and raised his son Scott, uh, so Scott Evil, using his frozen sperm. Now a teenager, Scott resents his father's absence and resists Dr. Evil's attempts to get closer to him.
0: Do you remember when I teased, like, oh, last episode in my Blair Witch Project has a tie into next week's episode? Yes. Scott Evil, motherfuckers. It's Seth Green. <laughs> yeah. I cast Scott Evil in my Blair Witch Project <laughs> Specifically uh... that version of Seth Green. Specifically the Scott <laughs> Evil version.
3: Yeah. The Screaming version. Yeah. And and weirdly enough, I have uh, replaced Austin Powers with a bunch of twigs in my pitch. <laughs>
0: Excellent. Yeah, is it a little bundle with like a shirt and a person's tongue and some blood and teeth and stuff? Yes. Yeah.
3: Just Just some bad baby, (laughs) bad British teeth. Yes. (laughs) And some and some uh, some sixties like velour fabric. Mm.
0: Speaking of the teeth, Uh, actually, uh, just brief tangent back to my history with the franchise. People used to compare me to Austin Powers when I was younger. Cause I, I had. wondered a, uh, if you were going to say that at some point, because you
3: had how, hair and wh- glasses. How, how rude! No, no, you <laughs> had hair and glasses. That you means know, I was thinking the same hours.
0: thing, you ugly bastard. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who cracks the mirror when he looks at it. Yeah, you do kind of look like him That's, That's point, not what I Power. said. I said that in the playground days when kids, if you had glasses
1: and hair, and I'm just kidding, fucking brown hair, you were like, had, oh, yeah, very I had curly brown
0: oh, hair sure. and glasses. Yeah, see? And, yeah, My teeth were fine until like... Two months ago, <laughs> <So> <laughs> it, it wasn't that, but yeah, I had everything apart from the teeth. I still, there you go, a little tease for the uh, on the on the video here. I still have no chest hair whatsoever.
3: He is showing. So, us I, thought, I thought I yeah. thought you were I thought you were going to get out your little uh, male symbol medallion. Oh, that would be like <laughs>
0: my Swedish. Yeah, penis unfortunately,
3: pump. I also wore this am, religiously, which which didn't. Happen. I am <laughs>
0: utterly smooth and hairless. You and are yes,
3: yes, smooth like a baby. I am. Boy. Um,
0: yeah, not. Uh, <laughs> Oh, who is it? This the Russian lady. You're Your hair it like animal. Yes. So, again, future spoilers. But yeah, as as a brown brown haired guy with glasses in the early two thousands, people the the kind of like Mean Girls type crew, popular <laughs> the popular chavy girls. Your plastics. Compa- so, yeah, the plastics. <laughs> they compared me to Austin Powers,
3: basically. Yeah. Kids, kids can be cruel, Jack. Yeah. Uh, now we know why I yeah. hate Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, uh, learning of Dr. Evil's return, Austin's boss, Basil Exposition, I still enjoy that name, it's uh, a good name. Unf- unfreezes him. Vanessa Kensington, the daughter of Austin's 1960s sidekick, is assigned to help powers acclim- uh, acclimate to the 1990s. The two pose as a married couple and track number two to Las Vegas, meeting his secretary, Alotta Fagina. And then
0: they so fight with yeah. Ant-Man
3: in an airport.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) A lot of
3: her. Fagina. Powers infiltrates her penthouse and discovers Evil's plans to send a nuclear warhead into the Earth's core, triggering volcanic eruptions. But Fagina seduces Powers and uncovers his true identity. To help defeat Powers, Dr. Evil and his associates create a series of fembots uh, that can assassinate Austin. Powers and Kensington infiltrate the VirtuCon headquarters are captured by Dr. Evil's henchman, Random Task. That's an odd job reference, Uh in case that wasn't clear. Meanwhile, the United Nations gives in to Dr. Evil's demands, but he decides to launch the warhead anyway. Powers and Kensington escape Evil's death trap, and Kensington leaves to find help, while Powers encounters the Fembots, seducing them with a striptease that makes them explode. British forces raid Evil's underground lair, while Powers deactivates the Doomsday Device. He confronts Dr. Evil, but Fagina arrives holding Kensington hostage. The the group are then interrupted by Number 2, who attempts to betray Dr. Evil and make a deal with Powers, but Dr. Evil uses a trapdoor to eliminate Number 2, activates the base's self-destruct, and escapes. Powers and Kensington flee the base as a nuclear explosion consumes it. Uh, Powers and Kensington get married, but during their honeymoon, Random Task returns to assassinate Austin. Powers immobilises him using his Swedish penis enlarger pump and Vanessa knocks him out. The pair head out to the balcony where Powers spots the cryogenic chamber in orbit where Dr. Evil is partially frozen and swearing revenge.
0: The penis pump in the airport is a perfect example of that joke that goes on for too long. Yes. And I like, it starts off like, oh yeah, the penis, pu- oh God, yeah, the penis pump thing. And they do the whole like, that's not mine, baby, I swear. And I was like, the book titled It's Mine Baby, I swear. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's clever. And then it does another two after that, and you're like, okay, we get we get it. Yeah, it's it's a penis. Yeah, it's a penis bump. Yeah, we get it. We get it. Yeah. And a credit card authorization signed by an A
3: power. Yeah. Uh. But yes, overall, a pretty funny movie. Yeah. Some yeah. good jokes, sure. some good sure. Bond parody stuff. Um, like there's a lot of like, interesting nods to other <laughs> 60s cinema um, that they that, that Jay Roach and, and uh, Mike Myers include um, to, to, to quite, like, out-there 60s mm-hmm. cinema mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but yeah. Anyway, on to Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me in 1999. On their honeymoon, Austin discovers that Vanessa is actually a fembot controlled by Dr. Evil. Uh, She self-destructs, leading Austin to briefly grieve before he realises he is single again and can freely have sex. Meanwhile, Dr. Evil returns from space, confronting Scott on The Jerry Springer Show, because this is made in 1999. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At Dr. Evil's base in Seattle, Number 2 reveals that his criminal empire owns Starbucks because this is made in 1999. (laughs) But Evil is again uninterested, hatching a plot to use a time machine to return to the 60s and steal Austin's mojo, the source of his sexual power. Evil's Council also presents him with a miniature clone, which Dr. Evil gleefully names Mini-Me.
0: If that isn't drilled into pop culture by now. People think he's in the first film. uh, Yeah, because he's such an integral like part of the, mm. the lore and the pop culture for over the, the next 20 years. If anybody looks like anyone else but is shorter, they are their mini-me. That is just a phrase now. People who haven't seen Austin Powers use that phrase. Mm. Like, oh, there's this guy and then his younger brother who's like, you know, five years younger. He looks like his mini-me. And you're like, oh, fuck, thank you. Before that,
1: it was Dan DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger in Twins. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> that was fair, the thing, and now fair. it's mini-me. It hasn't been yeah. really, I don't think, uh, replaced. Future
0: spoilers for Danny DeVito playing Minnie Me.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's true. That's true. Weird, weird connection, yeah.
0: <clears throat> that I mentioned in our cameo. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
3: Uh Dr. Evil and Minnie Me travel to 1969, meeting younger versions of Number Two and Frau Farbissina. In the present, Austin is seduced by supermodel Ivana Humperlot, one of Evil's agents, but she decides he is too sexy to kill. In nineteen sixty nine. Evil's double agent, an obese Scottish guard called Fat Bastard. <laughs> really creative name. Yeah,
0: yeah, very creative. I'm that.
3: fat, uh, and you're like lean into it. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> fat Bastard extracts Austin's mojo from his frozen body, and in the present, Powers discovers he has been made impotent using a time traveling VW Beetle. Austin travels to 1969 and escapes an assassination attempt with the help of CIA agent Felicity Shagwell. Again, Shagwell by of,
0: name, Shagwell by nature.
3: A lot of effort put into these names. Yep. Uh the pair are pursued by Mustafa, another of Dr. Evil's henchmen, who reveals the location of Evil's lair before Minnie Me kills him.
0: Again, I forgot Mustafa is in the first film. Because yes. he, he, mm. he does the recurring Plain. joke of being killed and then not being killed. Will Ferrell and Blackface. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I noticed that as well, <laughs> like Mustafa. That's a weirdly Middle Eastern name. Oh, he's still played by Will Ferrell in this one. Oh yeah. no, Will Ferrell's got brown face yeah. and, and gray hair for some reason, even though he's probably in his thirties at that point, like yeah. twenties.
3: know. Will Ferrell has just always looked the age that Will oh, Ferrell yeah, is. Yeah, mm. Will
0: Ferrell's got one of those faces.
3: Yeah,
0: unfortunately, um, not, not a brown face. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, one of those very white faces. <laughs> very
0: white
3: okay. faces. Okay, uh, Fat Bastard div- delivers Austin's mojo to Dr. Evil, and after drinking some of it, Dr. Evil seduces Frau Farbissener conceiving Scott. Examining photos of his cryo chamber, Austin realises that Fat Bastard is the one who stole his mojo. He and Felicity get to know each other, but when she tries to sleep with him, he is forced to reject her. Because he's not got any mojo. He's got any
0: mojo, baby.
3: Under instructions to implant a homing device into Fat Bastard, Felicity seduces him and shoves it up his butt, but he poops it out. Fortunately, because fat his... people
0: pooping is funny, right guys?
3: Yeah. Fortunately, his stool sample reveals traces of a vegetable that only grows on one Caribbean island. Austin and Felicity arrive on the island, but are captured, escaping when Shagwell flashes a guard. Dr. Evil and Mini-Me leave to carry out Evil's new plan, installing a laser on the moon that can target Washington DC, and Austin and Felicity pursue them in Apollo 11. Arriving at Evil's moon base, Austin battles Mini-Me, eventually flushing them into space before confronting Dr. Evil, who gives powers a choice, save the world or save Felicity, who he has locked in a chamber with poison gas. Felicity tells Austin to save the world, and he succeeds, but Felicity dies. Before Austin can kill him, Dr. Evil suggests using his time machine to travel back and save her. Austin travels ten minutes into the past, meeting himself and teaming up to save the world and Felicity. Dr. Evil triggers the base's self-destruct, escaping by throwing Austin's mojo into the air. The two Austins try to catch it but bump into each other and it smashes. Austin despairs, but Felicity points out that Austin's actions demonstrate that he never really lost it. Uh, it was the mojo was inside you, inside all, you <laughs> all along. It was the friends we made along the way. Yeah. Returning to the present, Austin and Felicity are ambushed by Fat Bastard. Felicity asks Fat Bastard if he's really happy, which almost prompts a change of heart, but when he decides to shoot them anyway, she disarms him. And in 1969, Dr. Evil recovers Mini-Me from space and vows revenge.
0: By the way, Fat Bastard is played by Mike Myers as well. Yes. So we should, we should, we've we now got <laughs> another character: Austin Powers, Dr. Evil, and Fat Bastard all played by Mike Myers.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: And Mike Myers is half Scottish, I think. He has some yeah. Canadian Canadian Scottish heritage
3: in... Yeah, He had you know. done a, a Scottish character previously in So I Married an Axe Murderer, yes. where he plays himself and his own father. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which was very much the gateway drug to uh, <laughs> what Austin Powers would become. Yeah.
1: To, to be fair, um, a lot of comedians were doing this. Eddie Murphy was doing the same thing. Like, uh, I'm yeah. playing 50 fucking roles. It's, it, was a, it was a thing because it, it was really easy with the it digital technology. It feels like technology. such
3: an exercise in ego where it's like oh, yeah. no one else is allowed to be funny because uh, I'm going to take all the roles. I'm also going to take all the paychecks. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, because Mike Myers co-wrote the first movie, played the main character and the antagonist Brilliant. but apparently <laughs> they, they originally wanted to car i'm trying to think i i was reading up about this Who they originally wanted to cast as dr jim carrey was originally the plan for dr evil oh wow i thought what that's, a different performance such that a would different be. energy yeah i yeah. wonder
1: if he just well no no, no. i see it now oh uh, you just play the like robotnik now i'm thinking no this is 1997 jim carrey yeah play, he'd play it like the riddler he would play like the riddler
0: he um he did liar liar instead he he had to choose between the two and that's and and basically he I... was
1: the lead in that one and it helped his yeah. career so fuck it why would he yep. be a side to someone else? I, I think he yeah. chose correctly.
3: Mm. So finally we come to Austin Powers in Gold Member from two thousand
0: and two. <gasps> oh, fuck this film. <laughs> hey, you're member, you're member. Isn't that
1: just like in, uh man Um yep, yeah, Bogeyman, it is. You know, yeah. yeah
3: it's yes, it's Miles, like, yeah. she does like a montage no, of a medley of thing seventies okay. songs. Got it. Uh, In 2002, a high-octane action sequence follows Austin and FBI agent Dixie Normus as they uh, evade an attacking helicopter, but this is quickly revealed to be a film adaptation of Austin's adventures called Austin Pussy, starring Tom Cruise as Austin, Gwyneth Paltrow as Dixie, Kevin Spacey as Dr. Evil, and and Danny DeVito as Mini-Me. Asked for his input by director Steven Spielberg, Austin comments that the film needs more mojo, baby. And and Uh, unlike Mortal Kombat,
0: it's actual Stephen (laughs) Smith. Yes. Mortal Kombat Kombat reference we we referenced in the previous season finale. Uh,
3: Leading to cameos by Quincy Jones and a Fembot version of Britney Spears during a dance number. Because this was made in 2002. I have a lot to say about that. We'll come back to it. At his base, hidden behind the Hollywood sign, Dr. Evil is welcomed back to Earth by Number 2 and Frau Farbissner he reveals his new plan to attract a golden asteroid to Earth with a tractor beam, helped by a Dutch metallurgist from the 1970s called Goldmember, who will also be played by Mike Myers. Yep. <laughs> what a, a brilliant comic creation he is. However, the plan is immediately foiled by Powers and Dr. Evil and mini are jailed. Powers <laughs> is rewarded with a knighthood, but becomes uh, depressed when he realises his father, Nigel, has not attended the ceremony. Later, Basil Exposition tells Austin his father has been kidnapped, although kidnapped after he could have shown up to the ceremony, uh, so he still ditched him. Uh, Austin interrogates Dr. Evil for information, who reminds him of when the pair attended British Intelligence Academy together, along with a young Basil Exposition and Number Two. At graduation, Austin was awarded the International Man of Mystery distinction, which Evil greatly coveted, but was again disappointed when his father didn't attend. In return for being moved to regular prison, Evil tells Austin that Goldmember is behind his father's kidnapping and has him in 1975. Austin travels back in time to Goldmember's club, where he meets his former lover and undercover FBI agent, Foxy Cleopatra. She reveals his father is being held backstage, and the two powers reunite but are quickly recaptured by Goldmember, who escapes to 2002 with Nigel. Austin and Foxy travel back to the present, where Dr. Evil has escaped from prison with Mini-Me. Just a cut in
1: here, in case anyone is unaware. Foxy Cleopatra is played by Beyonce. This was
0: controversial at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and his father is played, Nigel Powers is played by, of course, Michael Caine.
3: Yes. You you might might have expected him to be playing his own father, but you know. I'm amazed <laughs> yeah. he
1: didn't, I'm honest. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's yeah. a
0: serious consideration. I'm like, oh I bet they talked about it. I would put money he on was that as a discussion of like, okay, you playing the bag or you're playing your own dad? I'd be like, Hmm, maybe both. You're like, No, no, yeah. no, Mike, pick one or the other. If you do this,
1: Mike, there'll be a scene where three of you are hugging yourself and there's one watching on. <laughs> it's a lot of CGI.
0: <laughs> Sounds like a plan to me. That's a guy in a bald cap if I've ever heard one.
3: Uh, Right Uh, Evil reunites with his council In his submarine base in Tokyo Bay And unveils his plan to crash the asteroid Into Earth, melting the ice caps And flooding the world Scott Evil, who is losing his hair And embracing his evil heritage Presents Dr. Evil with sharks With lasers attached to their heads uh, Which is something that Dr. Evil Has has wanted for a long time Gaining his father's (laughs) favour And leading to jealousy from Mini-Me Austin and Foxy travel to Tokyo where they encounter Fat Bastard who has become a sumo wrestler. I bet you loved that part, didn't you, Matt? It was my
1: favourite! He reveals (laughs)
3: reveals Goldmember is working on his tractor beam at Roboto Industries, which the pair infiltrate. They witness Goldmember receive a gold penis-shaped key that operates the beam and rescue Nigel. The trio pursues Goldmember but he escapes and boards Dr. Evil's sub. Austin and Nigel argue about how to proceed, revealing Austin's issues with his father. mini defects, and now dressing as Austin, he joins Powers and Foxy as they sneak aboard the sub.
0: Matt just put his face in his palm. <laughs> well, just completely face as soon as Tim said that.
3: Austin is captured, but Foxy and Mini-Me steal the golden key, foiling Evil's plans. Austin prepares to shoot Doctor Evil, but Nigel enters and reveals that Evil is Austin's brother.
0: They did uh, it before Bond did.
3: They did Spectre.
0: Yeah. Spectre fucking did it, and yeah. we all thought that's a shit turn. And I thought,
3: <laughs> hold
0: on a minute, they—they've done the full circle. Austin yes. Powers is influenced by Bond, that then influences Bond. Oh my god!
3: Yep. Yeah. Just a mirror reflecting itself into infinity. Well, Austin,
0: <laughs> I'm the author of your pain. Like yes. <laughs>
3: Austin decides to spare Doctor Evil, and Nigel tells him that he's proud of him, leading all three to reconcile and enraging Scott, who storms off.
0: All the all the mics hug together.
3: The, there's So many mics. Mics and Michaels
0: other. and yeah.
3: Just push your Michaels together and let them touch. <laughs> Goldmember decides to activate the tractor beam anyway, using his own penis as a key, because it's coated in gold, uh, and also detachable. Um, yeah. But Austin and Evil work together to foil him, destroying the meteor and electrocuting Goldmember. The scene transitions to the Austin Pussy premiere, where uh, so uh, it's involving a cut where John Travolta is playing uh, Goldmember. Uh, Austin, Foxy, Dr. Evil, and Mini-Me all celebrate. <laughs> While in the Hollywood base, a now completely bald Scott swears revenge,
0: setting up for the fourth one, obviously.
3: <sighs> yes.
0: Mm. Which apparently was going to be a TV show. It was going to be an animated show. What?
3: And uh, yeah, that, would have
0: been that that was a long dreadful. rumor which was in production hell Holy for a while. God. Yeah. Um. And a film has been hinted at specifically by Mike Myers of all people, and we're going to talk about Mike Myers in a sec because that's where I want to start <laughs> because he's basically confirmed it like five times over the last 15 Mm. years, and it's never been made. And let's let's kick things off. Let's talk about Mike Myers, because we talked a lot about old Bobby De Niro recently, (laughs) and his career of being some some of the best films ever made. Yeah. In the fucking Godfather and all kinds of other absolute classics. Widely renowned as one of the best actors to ever step in front of a camera. And he's made absolute shite for the last 20 years.
1: (laughs) A smattering of half-decent stuff in there, but mostly... Mm,
0: Yeah. yeah. Mike Myers did like like a weirdly condensed, way less extreme version of that. (laughs) In that his highs were never so high, but oh dear, his lows were ever so low.
3: Well, it's it's weird because it's not even that he's made a bunch of shit in the past few years. He's just kind of disappeared. Yeah. Like, he did yeah. He did Gold Member, which everybody kind of accepted. Like, it still made a bunch of money, I'm sure. I don't know the figures. I've, I've but, got
0: figures for you here if you'd like them. Yeah. Um, um, so the first one is a budget of about $16.5 million mm-hmm. and a box office of $67 million. So like you said, a bit of a sleeper hit. It made its money. Yeah. It, it kind of came out of nowhere. It was New Line cinema trying to like revitalize themselves because they were struggling financially at the time, and essentially, from what I understand, from the money they made from the this film and the second one is essentially what they gave Peter Jackson yeah, to fund *Lord of the Rings*. Of the Rings. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, if we didn't have the Spy so Who weird. Shagged Me and that wasn't successful, because the Spy Who Shagged Me, oh boy, that made a bunch of money. That was yeah. on a thirty-three million dollar budget, so twice the budget of the first one, mm-hmm. but still pretty pretty modest, but mm. made. $312 million. Yeah. So that
3: is, that is the power of
0: eight or nine it. times its budget back, pretty mm. much. Yeah. Yeah. Another that, reason that why is... we couldn't
3: sequelize the
1: second one because that means no Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> well, we already, Tim already made sure once. of that. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we can't, we um, can't have double no Lord of the Rings in our alternate timeline. Um, yeah. And then finally, Gold Member is again double the budget, 63 million. But a box office of slightly less, but still considerable, mm. 296 million. Yeah. So it still made a shit ton of money. Yeah, the not budgets not. across the board are pretty modest, but essentially double with each film. Yeah. And uh, we'll get onto Rotten Tomatoes later, because that is a very interesting tale. But yeah, but mm. back to back to Mike Myers and his career. You're yeah. right, Tim, that he was because like, Gold Member was lo- like the big thing. The,
3: g- gold member, funnily enough, showed that the shine was clearly off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then. I think was it? It's about four years later. He does the Love Guru.
0: Oh God, damn that movie! God damn, it's it's six years later. It's six years later. Okay, that was his last like big live action lead role, and he has essentially not done a live action lead role in well over a
3: decade. Yeah, because obviously, of course, he's he's doing Shrek. Shrek has been paying the fucking bills. Yeah, speaking up Scottish accents. Yeah, between. Spy Shag me and Goldmember. Correct. Shrek. Shrek what Shrek
0: one out. is two thousand and one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: So yeah. So then. So then he's doing Shrek for a while. Then he goes back to live action. Does the Love Guru that bombs, and then he pretty much kind of disappears. He kind of retires. Like he does. He shows up in weird stuff. Like he's in fucking Inglorious Bastards. The year uh, after
0: Love Guru. Yeah. Is Inglorious yeah. Bastards. And people as forget the, like, that. Yeah. He's the, in and the, the trailer. English General. Yeah. And this
3: yeah. I remember at the time there was like oh is he going to be the next person that Tarantino like redeems. Yeah. Yeah. Um but no and then he just kind of like he's 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 done a couple of different things but he's he's kind of just disappeared. I, and it's it's very I mean you, you know he's got enough money that he can absolutely and I'm not sure the world would be a better place if <laughs> if he was like no I'm going to keep making terrible comedies but it is it's strange to have someone just kind of make so much money, and be kind of like, because he, he, if he'd have kept making films, people would have just gone, "Oh, the Love Guru was just a blip." I'm like, I'm sure, it, who knows? But I mean, it could have, it could have made some total dreck, But, um, he was still at a period enough coming off of Austin Powers and the Shrek films that we could be looking back and going, "Like, oh, there, there was that weird one where he kind of did Brownface, and it was a bit." You know, and it, and it didn't do much of the box office. But then he came back and did blah blah blah, but instead he just yeah he just vanishes.
1: I have two points to make here. Um, the first is about SNL technically, and the second is about nostalgia. There is a a a a, a triple factor, triple threat, as it were, which goes Mike Myers doing big things in inverted commas like Austin Powers and Wayne's World and Shrek, and it's like, wow, this guy is fucking household name effectively, to to Mm. a degree. That midway hands off to Adam Sandler, that guy's a household name, he's doing tons (laughs) of stuff. Which finally hands over to Will Ferrell, that guy's a household name, he's doing stuff. Mm. And they're the three, and they all have the same style in the sense of, we'll just do SNL style skits that go on too long, and a character that's kind of fucking annoying, but it will be fine. And every time they come back to these characters, it's somehow much much worse. That's why, admittedly, Sandler's only real sequels that tend to work kind of are Hotel Transylvania. Um, Will Farrell, again when well, he comes.
0: Zoolander up- two, how dare you! Matthew. What a masterpiece of cinema! Oh, I can't even say it out loud. Uh, Zoolander two, fuck me! Um, I kind of you just forgot you existed. Forgot you existed. I, I really did. <laughs> so, point is, just like the rest of the world I mean <laughs>
1: as well, mm. because you have that transitional passing of the baton, you forget about the one who came before it. And also, most importantly about the second point, nostalgia. Mike Myers is inextricably linked to the '90s and very generously the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And we have had in the last 10, 15 years an '80s revival, nostalgia sort of thing. We're pumping the '80s; every everything's '80s. It's all coming. Bring back my '80s fans, my '80s style shows, the music, or uh, you know, through a contemporary prism. And we are now very slowly. Sliding ourselves into some really strong 90s nostalgia Because that's the nature of the 30s cycle And mm. stuff So I think it wouldn't surprise me at all If Mike Myers does make a huge fucking comeback I don't know what well, form, but he could, easily
3: if you, if you look on his IMDB at the moment There is an, uh, an Austin Powers 4 Which is apparently announced huh. And his role yeah, yeah, yeah. Austin Powers, brackets, rumoured yeah, um, exactly. I'm sure if there is an Austin Powers, he's been would there be since Austin 2007, Power. for the record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's also a untitled David O. Russell project. Oh wow, okay,
1: interesting.
3: And an untitled Mike Myers Netflix project, which would be a TV series. Mm. Is the
0: untitled David O. Russell thing Canterbury Glass by any chance? Because uh, <laughs> I mean, that is what be. it's listed as on Wikipedia. It's oh, okay. Uh, announced that he was working on a film with Christian Bale. Uh, margot robbie michael b jordan jennifer lawrence Mm. um a few people were not cast like i don't think jennifer lawrence ended up in the project in the end but Mm. christian bale margot robbie john david washington rami malek zoe saldana robert de niro mike myers timothy oliphant uh wow michael shannon chris rock anya taylor joy andrea Riseborough. it's a hell of a fucking cast that is rumored (laughs) for this film I can't even David
1: a- O. Russell, we'll see, because uh, yeah. I think he's made some very great films, but he is a monster to work with. And uh, yeah, or yeah. half the people who work with him never work with him again, because he is just... just. And, and, and yeah. when I say abusive, I don't necessarily mean in a sexual way, as we all expect these days, mm. but just screaming, shouting, physical Tyrannical. just, just
0: unhinged. But that's a separate yeah. thing, and and David O. Russell might be a monster because he's got sexual allegations against him by his transgender niece, I believe. Okay, so, so there's there's all, all ooh, levels of yeah. yeah there we go. Okay. Yeah. Um, if you don't know who we're talking about, he's the director of Three Kings, Silver Linings Playbook, The Fighter, American Hustle. Mm. Those films you might yeah. recognize him from. Yeah. Potential, possible piece of shit. Just to clarify out oh, there, uh, allegedly, yeah, yeah a, the apparently, absolute nightmare to work with, as you said, Matt. Yeah. Those three things often go hand in hand. What a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're a piece of shit, you're also a piece of shit behind the camera as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so with regards to the nostalgia factor and bringing these things back, again, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised. But, and, and, and I really want to drill down to this because this is important. Mike Myers in the 90s was, had a bit of a finger on the pulse as to what was going on. Shrek isn't his thing. It's Chris Farley's thing. And Chris Farley died. Mm. and He was brought in and did a good job with it. Fair enough. His uh lampooning of a certain type of individual in 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 um Wayne's world works well. No problem with that at all. Mm. It's it's I not fucking offensive. Love yeah, not offensive. I it's genuinely like a celebration. It's fun, it's cheeky, it's it, mm. it works. Um Austin Powers genuinely feels like an actual celebration of of Bond and spy thrillers of the sixties and all that kind of, you know, mad mm. from uncle and, and it, it the saint and shit. Because
3: he has british and and scottish family yes like he's a it's part of him it. referencing a lot of movies and and tv and stuff like that culture yeah. that he grew up with yes he he spent um, a lot
0: of his childhood in liverpool i believe or his his dad mm-hmm. lived in liverpool or something like that so he learned a lot about like that's where the 60s influence comes from is from his dad living there in the 60s and Precisely. Kind of mm-hmm. all the beatles and like you yeah. said all the weird cinema stuff that's kind of referenced yeah in...
3: which which so it, it makes like the first film kind of this weird passion project almost precisely that could have that could have gone absolutely nowhere and people would be like remember hey remember when mike myers did that remember when the guy from wayne's world did that fucking spy film hmm. how weird was that? and it and it had all these like bits where they just transition and there'd just be people dancing wow, and like psychedelic lighting and he played like two different roles in it weird man um and that could just be the, this weird fit, footnote in cinematic history, but it completely blew up. And yeah, but I think it's interesting that we talked about Sandler um, and uh, and there's people like Ben Stiller around this yes, time who've yes. kind of come up through that same process. God, Ben like,
0: Stiller is a person I forget exists on a regular basis. <laughs> you know what I mean?
3: I think it's interesting that Mike Myers has never really been a like a rom-com. Guy, mm, yeah, um, yes, yes. He's never his like, sexiest
0: he, role is Austin Powers, <laughs> I guess.
3: <laughs> um, oh, and like his most conventional rom com is like, uh, So oh, I Married I an, an Axe Murderer yes. yeah. yeah, which is really weird. It like pa- plays like a I don't know, Cat in the Hat's pretty,
0: pretty romantic. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the worst um, films I've ever seen. Two of the worst films I've ever seen are that version of Cat in the Hat and The Love Guru. <laughs>
3: I thankfully have never seen either of those. Terrible, awful um, movies. I have I have watched him in uh, the, the film about Studio 54, uh, and he's actually really interesting in that, because mm. it's not, it's, it, it's him playing kind of a dramatic role. He briefly um,
0: shows up in Bohemian Rhapsody as well, doesn't he? I'm just, yep. I'm just like, yes. yeah, thinking yeah. <laughs> about why, why else have I seen Mike Miser? Because the Inglourious bastard thing really triggered my brain. I was like, what mm. else did he... Oh yeah, he's like that record producer guy <laughs> in Bohemian Rhapsody of all places. How yeah. weird!
3: Um, but yeah, I think that definitely hurt him in the early two thousands because there were a lot of there were a lot of rom coms in that period, and he doesn't really work in that mold
1: entirely. Um, it, it's it's worth noting that he has strengths, and the two thousands seemingly mid and late 2000s, didn't use those strengths or weren't able to. The comedy that we were sort of watching, the sort of Judd Apatow rise of the kind of stuff, shifted away from do a silly voice and over and over and over. There's still elements of it, but it didn't play in the same way.
0: Mm. I, I think that part of that big shift, and I'm, I'm going on a little bit of evidence here, but also, you know, a lot of rumors about how these films are made, and we'll, we'll talk about Austin Powers in a second and how that kind of came around. It's the shift from highly improv stuff from a bunch of comedians, to the early 2000s, where it's the more like, oh, that was really cleverly written. These jokes are written. It's not just a mm, bunch of people. Sure. Like the the whole sh- scene is completely improv between Seth Green and Mike Myers. And there's like 15 different takes of completely different jokes and that just happened to be the one they picked. And now, whenever you talk, anybody goes, shh, stupid, and all that bullshit. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff was just, Improved on set and they've like Mm. barely had a script for half the the first and the second film and the third one oddly enough the worst of the three Mm -hmm. is the most written in terms of actual pen to paper script and stuff wow that's that's interesting which is in kind of tells you maybe they were kind of like losing touch like you said that transition Mm into the early 2000s like they're trying to keep up with the trend of like oh no we need clever snappy witty dialogue and all this kind of stuff and not being able to keep up with that like you're an improv guy. Just do improv. That worked in the first year. You can probably at least get away with it. But they had people like Michael Caine involved. And um, you know more and more people mm. getting involved. And apparently Michael Caine fucking hates improv. Like all the old school actors do. They fucking hate <laughs> improv. And he was just like, no. And the uh, Cockney rhyming slang bit, the, mm. the the chat on a turtle scene, mm. um, is deeply meticulously rehearsed and scripted. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Whereas Mike Myers was like, I'll just make up some stuff. And he was like, no, no, no. You're not just making some stuff up. Has to be proper London. He's like, fuck's sake, Michael. Do it right. Sure. sure. Yeah. Do it right. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I think that that's part of that transition there, which was a trend in Hollywood in general, moving over to the more kind of scripted stuff we see nowadays. And then we had a resurgence of that. You guys talked about Adam Sandler and Will Ferrell and stuff you get those kind of things like a bunch of 40-year-old virgin and the resurgence mm. of that Steve Carell, Seth Rogen, mm. Will Ferrell kind of group of people, the Anchorman but, but, crew. And but a very lot.
3: different kind of improv. Completely like different
0: vibe. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Mm. And it seems to come in cycles, and maybe you're right, Matt. Maybe we would do another cycle of this weird <laughs> SNL breakout <laughs> star thing <laughs> where we just have a bunch of weird improv happen for a decade and then it disappears again.
3: Um, yeah, and I think it's also like Heather Graham is 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 a pretty talented like comic actress like in her own right um and I don't really have much of an opinion on Elizabeth Hurley but I think it's very telling that like Beyonce this was her first like cinematic role she is she has not got for for all the many talents that Beyonce have, has got she is not a trained improvisational comedian um and so I doubt she was able to keep up with I I any assume of that yeah, stuff.
0: She was a contributor as well. Like you Yeah. There's a lot of scenes where they're you know, it's Austin bouncing off of um Foxy Cleopatra, but Beyonce <laughs> is not trained in improv, so it's no, like well it's
3: it's not she, so much a bounce as it is like throwing a bowling ball <laughs> at a wall, you know. <laughs> she, she
0: has written stuff down. She's like responding with written things to Mike Myers yeah. making up stuff.
3: Just like like sassy aside and that's about it. Like yeah. Like, yeah, and then I like click my fingers and like wag on my head and be like, "Yeah, that's what that's what you get from Foxy Cleopatra." It's like, okay, you don't, don't want to push the joke further. I don't really know how to do that. Like, you got me here because I'm beautiful and I can sing, yeah. <laughs> and I'm very famous. Um, um, but I will I will say that one thing that distinguishes this from the the Apatow era that kind of came after it is that these films, at least have a visual style to them. Um and there is there's physical comedy and there are there's there's jokes that are told in a visual sense. Yes. That a lot of the that the the when we get to the apatow era and the Paul Feige kind of uh, no, Paul Paul Feige, not Kevin Feige. Uh uh era and Kevin Feige. (laughs) Feige Feige. (laughs) Oh god, I don't know. It's all good. All good man. Um like you get to that era, and the the direction is so flat in those films because all they're doing is they're pointing a camera at people and they're saying like let's just improvise for the next point 40 camera
0: minutes. of funny people and press go yeah, That's, exactly. yeah. I can play about
1: a lot just make it bright and it's like why we miss anything it's like, oh God all right. Yeah. whereas <laughs> these films
3: do actually have they have jokes that are told purely visually and they have like slapstick and they have clever camera placement and they have things entering frames and leaving frames in interesting ways and transition scenes and stuff like that. And I think that that is something that got lost out for a while and does actually it, watching these films. They are much more visually interesting than a lot of comedies that followed them for the, for the next 10 years.
2: Yeah, I think
1: okay, I'm, I'm going to segue now to, to, to specifically Goldmember, but through mm. the other two people, might not remember this, um, because we, we are so very, for lack of a better phrase, up the bum of the 80s, so much huffing that smell, that we're like, oh, Stranger Things, oh, that's my shit, oh, it's great. That shit will slide very quickly into the 90s, I think, very, very soon. It's already started, but we're getting there quicker. And people forget that the 90s, a huge factor of the 90s, was the 30 year cycle. So, I, I, I can't stress this enough about film, especially. Your favorite films that you think, oh, I love this movie about the, from, from the 80s from my childhood. I love Ghostbusters. I love Back to the Future. What are those movies about? Well, well I suppose Ghostbusters is kind of about going back to these really old B movie things from the 50s in a weird way. And Back to the Future is literally set in the 50s because it's the 30th cycle. We're like, oh, remember the 50s? That was what it was. And in the, in the 90s, the 60s dominated Everything. Things like Oasis basically being a fucking Beatles tribute band, effectively. <laughs> Things like what's a big blockbuster hit with Matt LeBlanc and the, you know, the star of one mm. of the stars of Friends, Lost in fucking Space, the 1960s oh, TV God. series. Hanna-Barbera yeah. cartoons become huge properties. Like,
3: what is this? Because that was all the cool Britannia stuff. Yes. Where you get the, yes. the fucking red, white, and blue circles everywhere. Yes. Yeah, the mods yeah, of the fashion. Stuff, yeah. yeah. A yeah. lot of 60s fashion cycled back around mm-hmm. And yeah, and that's
1: fine That's how it, it cycles So the idea of going back to the 90s What you're really doing is recycling 90s through the prism of the 60s And that's why this is so important Because Austin Powers Was first and foremost A celebration and a parody Of the 1960s in general The mindset, the politics, the fashion The, um, the cinema The culture, the music mm. Through the prism of the 90s Mm. which was progressive for us in the 90s, not at all now by comparison. And so, you know, the equivalent now is like, literally, the story Austin Powers, you could release a new film in in the 2020s, and it's about a spy in the 90s who's sent to the future and he's like, oh my god, I've been frozen since the 90s. And the jokes would be the same sort of thing. But this is where it gets interesting, because by 2002, when Goldmember comes out, there's a slow shift, and Bond is, uh, the the official release is Die Another Day, which is not good. And you're no (laughs) longer parodying Bond films because you've kind of sort of said everything you need to say. You're not parodying Mm the 1970s Roger Moore change in Bond, so you're not really parodying that anymore. You're just sort of loosely going for the 70s for some reason, because that's where the next 30 year cycle is going. That's why you end up Mm -hmm. with things like Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson, Starsky and fucking Hutch.
0: Oh mm. god yeah that's.
3: Although annoying. weirdly I don't I feel it wasn't like wasn't the as big se- though that yeah it, the 70s never really got recycled that thoroughly mm. because it doesn't have as much identity as a and this is a real it's problem true. that hits gold member is that there's less to say about the 70s in fact literally in the spy who shagged me Felicity Shagwell says to Austin Powers like oh won't I miss out on the 70s and the 80s and he's like there's nothing really important there yeah um yeah. Uh, just come to the 90s you're absolutely right. You're like you're take you're trying to move on to this next thing, trying to predict the next wave of the thirty year cycle, but it just doesn't hit in the same way. And mm. there's not it. Austin Powers is not the lens to examine the seventies through. No. Um, and really, really, the the thing that does it most successfully is something like Black Dynamite.
1: Yes. Um, yes, really enough.
3: In that regard, it utterly fails because it disconnects him from his <laughs> kind of core. Thesis, yeah. to a certain degree Well, yeah, because you're,
1: you're right, the, the 70s Wasn't the, and I, I should point out We're not talking about, obviously, globally We're talking very much about the, through the Prism of America, how America interprets yeah. its own History, because The 60s in Britain and the 60s in America Quite different But obviously yes. expressed in <laughs> this movie But the 70s means One thing Predominantly for America And that's Vietnam Ending mm. and yeah. In the two early two thousands, we were at war with Iraq and Afghanistan and there's like a whole like there's this weird nonsense war we're involved in. People are coming home very desensitized. So you end up having these movies about patriotism and attacks and all this sort of stuff in the mm. military and things like Jarhead and other bits and pieces. And it's like, oh, this yeah. feels very fucking familiar. That's your seventies mm. revival in the worst yes. possible way.
3: Yes. Yeah. That was the, the how are we going to reference the seventies this decade? I don't know. Let's get point, uh, stuck in another pointless war. Yep. Um,
1: and so you end up with like,
3: who's got the thirty years nostalgia?
1: It's like, well, we had like Robert Zemeckis who really missed the fifties and he wanted to talk about that sort of time. Oh, that's cool. And the eighties and whatever. Great. He's weirdo, but fine. Then the early two thousands. Well, they're all generals and they kind of want to go to a war. And it's like, right? No, thank you. We're mm. good. Um. Anyway, so. Then the 80s seems like a motherfucker, and oh well, the economy tanked yeah. again.
3: And and the thing is, is that like the 70s is both its own thing, and it's also too close to the 60s, yes, to provide a real contrast because it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're saying anything different particularly because it's still he's still just him being groovy, and everyone seems to get on with that fine. Mm-hmm. It's not like he arrives in the 70s and people are like wow you're really outdated like why yeah. are you wearing stuff from 10 years ago. He's a fish out of um, water in the
1: 90s but in the 70s like hey everything's the same he's in again and he he has he struggles to find himself in the 90s. Hmm. But he has no problem in the 70s like I'll just put on a big fur coat and a oh it's a Pimpmobile. I know what this is and and these giant platform shoes and a cane it's like yeah, this just mostly feels like black Do you have anything else you have got going on here? Yeah, we just just black It's like okay, and yeah. also gold member. I, I really want to press upon this just very briefly. International Man of Mystery, decent parody. I think it's okay. Holds up well. Mm. Spy Shagby does some different stuff. Introduces characters so memorable like Fat Bastard and Mini-Me. Positive or negative, they are things you think are around in, since the start. Mm. And I think the whole like, well, you know, I'm a female spy. I'm I'm modeling myself after you. It's like, well, I've got nineties. You know. Uh, I've sampled the future and it's better. Come with me to the future. Be like that. Mm. Gold member has so many problems. Um, I'm gonna. I'm just rack through a few of them really quickly here now. Go for it. One that opening sequence is both brilliant and fucking awful. So. (laughs) <laughs> I love the idea that it's like, it's a huge parody of itself by being a film within a film. Mm. E- Kevin Spacey, but everyone's trying and they're doing a funny job and Hey everybody, I'm me! Ah! And he's, everybody is great in that and it's fantastic. It's the exact mm. kind of cast you'd want in that time, in that era. Brilliant. And that's where the joke should end, but it goes on. And then there's sort of, you know, some mojo baby nonsense. And then they stood in the dance sequence. And then it cuts to a literal Britney Spears song. There's later a, a bill, yeah. big billboard with her in Tokyo with the fucking um, Pepsi commercial because, you know, sponsors. Yeah. And I timed it. It's seven and a half minutes until the movie starts because all that setup shit, and this, this is a writing thing here, mm. all that setup shit doesn't start the story. It tells you nothing about Austin Powers as a person, it tells you nothing about mm. the character in terms of where he is now, his. Predicament, his situation mm. that starts later with the whole "fuck me, fuck you" bullshit. Um, oh yeah, God. Yeah, the story starts with Doctor Evil. Effectively, you just have this mm. ten-minute opening of nothing.
3: All, all it says is, "Hey, these movies are really successful, and a bunch of famous people want to be in them now." Exactly, <laughs> it. and and it is a sign of the film. Disappearing up its own arms. Precisely, and yeah. you, you mentioned about the scripting thing. That's
1: a really big problem because you think stuff. Oh, it means a better script. It's like actually, it feeds off the 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 improv, and you've brought in these people who can't improv or won't or don't or know how or whatever. All there's too many Mike Myers who can't improv with himself too much, and the references <coughs> go out of the window. So you end up with these really elaborate filler set pieces that are like they go on for far too long and get off you nothing. So in the second film. Austin Power, uh, Dr. Evil goes back to the past and then just claims he's invented a lot of stuff. Like, Death Star, that's my idea. Uh, what if God was one of us? I wrote that song, it's a great song. I just wrote it just now. That kind of mm. bullshit, you know, ridiculous nonsense. Which, in mm. a weird way, actually ties back semi-cleverly to the first film, with the support group with Carrie Fisher saying, my father had strange things like he invented the question mark, like outlandish claims. Yeah. That, that almost clever, probably definitely not intentional, but you know, it's there. In this film, there's a whole sequence where goes to produce and, and just sings it's a hard not life. And I'm like, okay, hey, what's this doing? Oh. Uh, yeah. It's doing and a, nothing.
3: Just terrible like affectation of gangster rap and African American culture. Awful. Awful. The fact that the first half of this film is basically a musical and then <clears> the second <throat> half it completely goes away is so weird. Yeah. Because you have you have the giant musical number at the start. You have Austin Powers singing a song about how daddy wasn't there. Oh yeah, um, yeah, he does. You have Thank you have the hard the knock you have the hard knock life. You have Beyonce doing a, a big like musical disco medley. Uh, 70s disco medley. Disco medley, yeah. medley turning into like gold member uh, stuff.
0: Which is um Shake Shake Your Booty, by the way. Yes. Shake Your okay. Booty. Hey, gold member. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um and I th- there might be some i'm missing there, but then it okay, just completely it just completely stops in the second half and it's like well hang on if you're going to do that just fucking lean into it because there's been a lot of music in these films anyway yeah. because the because of the 60s like aesthetic of course, and, course. and and the music is part of it in that. the first film every uh, y- scene y- y- is
1: juxtaposed uh, 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 yeah. identified with the the t straight to camera it's like what's this it's like the fucking banana splits
0: you're forgetting all the Burt Bacharach, basically. I am forgetting the yes. Burt Bacharach. Oh, yes, yeah.
3: the Burt yeah. Bacharach. Um, yeah. And then, and then it, yeah, it's, it's so so strange, mm. so piecemeal of a film. Yeah,
1: so then you end up with some other really weird stuff that stands out, and it's, it's weird stuff then, okay? Things like Neil Malarkey. He's an actor, does a few roles. He's most notably, uh, as Jack mentioned earlier, um, one Swedish penis pump. <laughs> That's not mine. Um, uh, it's a receipt here. That's not my bag, baby. One book. This is my bag, baby. That kind of shit. And yep. like, he's mm. also the physician on the boat on the submarine. It's like, wait, what are you doing here? You work for British intelligence. It's like, I, and I get it because it's like, well, if Mike Myers can play fifty fucking roles. So this guy's like, but he's yeah, the yeah. same dude playing the same <laughs> character, basically. It repeats jokes like the whole um, uh, stuff behind a, a, a you know uh, the sh- puppet show, th- uh, sorry silhouette sort of show behind a fucking curtain with backlights yes. nonsense. It does the idea again of the shit on a radar, like oh my god, it cuts to a Johnson, and even they like, have yeah, Ozzy yeah. Osbourne saying, "Oh, the, because it's two thousand and two, yes, the Osbournes." The yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. And in the and I, I should point this out in that Hollywood scene, the Hollywood sign scene where Doctor Evil's in front, the, the the start of the film, if you will. Mm. It feels like a reshoot because if you look carefully, and and <laughs> this is the key point here, you guys are right. The production design is actually good. It look, it goes out of its way to look and feel like a '60s film. That's quite clever and funny. Mm. This one, I don't know what they did with the, with this particular opening shoot, but if you look at it, you can see the bald cap, as it were, almost, or whatever it is. You yeah, can see the <laughs> yeah, yeah. like, like flower caked makeup. It's like, is this I, just a high it's definition? The same thing. It's like, yeah. how is it so cheap looking? It costs more yeah. than both of them, the predecessors. <laughs> so. This all happens. And it becomes very apparent very quickly that this is a remarkably boring movie. And the second it starts to really sort of, not shine per se, but try something different, I don't think it works. So it tries to do something different, and what does it do? It introduces the idea that these two are brothers. And you're like, bah, fuck, that's a rug pull. It, fine, whatever, it's done, but it's, you know.
3: I will say, the... Casting when they do the flashbacks I was, is very good. I was about to say that
1: is fantastic. They do, I, and to the point, I was like, are they doing like, are they just dubbing it? Oh no, these kids are actually just doing a great impression. But then mm. every motherfucker was doing a great impression back then, so I don't know how.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: But the, 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 the sequence there where everyone just had like number two and Basil Exposition and Austin and Dr. Evil go to the same man of mystery school, mm. it's really, really stupid. Now, on top, and we,
3: uh, we should say uh, Patrick Willems, who we often reference, has a really great video on oh, yeah. the Austin Powers trilogy Definitely and talking does. about how it it predicts a lot of trends that would come. Yes, it does actually. Yeah, in future films and and in big blockbusters rather than comedies, with this kind X-Men of like obsession of uh, this obsession with law and stuff, and yeah, like yeah. how like in the second film, it turns out like, oh, like your mojo is an actual thing. It's fucking, it's midichlorian. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and then obviously uh, predict Spectre with having yeah. the, the Blofeld analog be the brother. Yeah. Um, so uh, definitely, definitely check that out if you want a reminder a of show. these films. Yeah.
1: The, the last point I'm just going to really drill down to here is twofold. It is literally the best and worst thing about this movie for me personally. Um, and I must admit, people get very weird about this movie and I'm surprised by that. Because I'm always, I'm always fascinated when people say, I love this movie. And I say, like, oh, do you like Oscar Powers? No, 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 I like Goldmember. It's like, why do you like Goldmember? And it's usually because I'm of a certain age that that was the first one I saw in the cinema, or the first one I saw yeah. in a sequence when I was, as Jack said, when he was 12. And it also becomes the whole, I like this song, I like, whatever, whatever this joke is. And people get very defensive, and it's like, I liked it because it was familiar. It's like, do you, can you, can you, and again, we do this for ourselves, and we talk about this all the time, where if you have a list of your top 10 films, you're like, well, I can't, I can't take Jurassic Park off there. That's one of the best ones ever made. It's like, yep. But there are, yep. there are categorically better films, and it's like, yeah, but that's important to me and my childhood, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to betray nine year old me, that kind of thing. People get that way about things like Goldmember, weirdly enough, and you think that's like, that can't be right. We kind of had this conversation before the the, the we started rolling um, on this episode with, with Jack's fiance who really likes the movie. But the best and worst elements of this movie, I have nothing bad to say about the casting of Michael Kane in this movie. He is mm. fucking hilarious in this. He's great. He's funny. He he plays the role exactly as you expect. He's 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 mm. um, a useless lush who's a, a terrible role model and a nonsense. In himself, but the you know, the, the exact embodiment of that kind of character. Um, and the fact that he is like, look, mate, I'm gonna come here. You a, a judo chop, judo chop, you don't have a name tag, you might as well just fall down. You know, that kind of stuff. It's so stupid. The issue I have with it, however, is that he's supposed to be Austin Power's father, and yet he has all these sixties affectations. You'd think he'd be a 40s spy and he'd be like, Yeah, hell here. Mm. Um, more like his character in fucking uh, Zulu, but I like what they've done with it. It makes sense. It's a silly little joke. It mostly plays up him doing his.
3: And it's it's a reference to the fact that he was a film star back in the '60s and was a sex icon, despite being
1: a weird-looking guy.
3: Yeah, and his his the the thing that Austin Pat the initial Austin Powers was referencing. A lot of those things were Michael Caine films. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. The reason. Um,
0: Austin Powers wears glasses is because Michael Mike, Michael Caine wore those glasses in the sixties. Yeah.
3: Yes. Again, um, he is literally
0: his... a direct reference to <laughs> him.
3: You are right. As much as he may have messed with the improv rhythms, uh, uh, Michael Caine is pretty great in this film. His delivery of the "There's um, only two things in, I yes. can't stand in this world: people who are intolerant of other people's cultures, and, and the Dutch." uh, so uh is, is, oh, I is, is perfect I'd expect that. Perfect.
1: Belgians, don't trust them. Also, they share a border with the Dutch." It's, it's, his, yeah. his vitriol is so... It's, it's good, because it, it's also true of, like, fucking people of that age. Um, yeah. But that leads us to... People like Michael Caine. People like Michael Caine. That leads us to the absolute worst thing about this movie. I fucking hate Goldmember.
0: I despise
1: <laughs> the character. I don't understand it. I, I get the idea that the guy who played Goldfinger was dubbed because he wasn't an American or British actor. He was... I don't think he was actually Dutch. I think he was actually German, wasn't he? But this, the point is that it's like, right. Um, and he, he does, you know, roller skating. He's ginger and peels and eats his own... Or picks his own peelings. It's like... Oh, it's so it's gross. gross. And he's got a dick made of gold, because in a smelty accent. And he's like, oh, I'm strong. Oh, I have a smoke and a pancake. Oh, I do a-. And it's like, it's almost like someone said, what accents can you do, Mike? Mm. I can do a Dutch accent, yes. And the thing is, he can't. And okay, you know, someone can't do an accent because they'll say the same phrase over and over again. Yeah. And then they'll Definitely. introduce the character and remind you where they're from. I'm from Holland, yes. It's like yeah. good. I'm glad you told me because <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to tell you. Oh, ho, 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 I am from
3: France. It's like ah, you yeah. can't do a French accent.
0: Ah, oh, you opened up with oh, ho, 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 ho. precisely, okay,
3: learned, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, and. Th- th- the character of Goldmember is such a weird grab bag of traits, like you say. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's a roller skater and he loves gold and he eats his own skin and he's his super legs can flexible? bend. He's, yeah. yeah, his legs can bend up and he's Dutch. And it's like the the the, the parodies in the first two films are actually pretty spot on. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. even something like as crude as a character as Fat Bastard is, the idea of taking like Oh, it's a national stereotype that is a henchman mm. for one of these like Bond villains is actually pretty spot on. But, but like, what is Gold? Like, obviously, he's meant to be parrying Goldfinger, but he's not because he's not anything like Goldfinger. Yeah. Beyond, beyond being interested in gold. Like, yeah. it's just, uh, it's, it, it's so unfocused as a character.
1: See, I, rem- I remember, I remember Nes, it's, it's Gert Frober who's, who is German, who plays, mm. who plays, Uric Goldfinger. And it's like, in the first film, first Austin Powers film, you had odd job, no, um, random task, yes, <laughs> being the parody of odd job, and rather than throwing his hat, he throws a shoe. Yes. That's simple. Who throws, a, Who throws shoe? a shoe? And it's funny. It's mm. literally because it literally is like it subverts it in a very simple way. If you don't understand yeah. Goldfinger, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Gold member hasn't got that. There's no like um, uh, starting base of what he is parodying. It's just a collection of stuff. So basically, by the time, and it's not even like, you know, the end of, of a sequence, it just turns, it, it resolves itself by saying, ah, now we've got to deal with you and turn around, oh, it's John Travolta. He's doing the character now and he's doing a dance. And it's because, you know, 70, Saturday night, fucking fever and stuff. You're like, ah. okay. And then it cuts to this movie and doesn't actually resolve how anything actually gets resolved. It just stops, basically. The movie just says, and we're done now. But the thing is, John Travolta does a good job of impersonating the character because he's just literally a
3: tick box
1: exercise Mm. of say these four phrases in the silly voice, done.
3: All he has to do is turn around with a vague Dutch accent and go, I love gold. Oh, what about
1: a pancake? Oh, brilliant. I've nailed it. And that's the problem. I think Mike Myers and maybe other people know some motherfuckers just love a catchphrase and the public Mm. just like, and it's like with the Ali G thing, And Borat especially is like, you do know what Borat's trying to uh, as a thing is trying to do, right? Yeah, my wife. It's like, no, he's it's meant to be like highlighting how racism works and xenophobia by lulling people into just saying terrible fucking things. Right. And what did you pick up from this movie? I like when he
3: says my wife.
1: Yeah, because I I I wanna have a very good very good. It's like so you basically kind of just like the silly voices. Yes. And I like and yes. this is the thing. I like that I can impersonate the silly voices really easily. Mm.
0: Yeah, I like that I can become popular on a school playground Very by doing a good impression. despite
1: being this. a thirty-three-year-old man in an office. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is that's the, so, so you
0: get dragged off the playground and arrested yeah. for doing impressions. <laughs>
1: and it, at times, when whenever Gold members are around, it semi-elevates Doctor Evil, because Doctor Evil's funny in the first one, fine in the second one, awful in the third one. Until Goldmember's around, one. Yeah. he's yeah. like, "How about no?" Crazy bastard, bastard. I was like that delivery for some reason. I I think it's
3: kind of funny. Yes, because his, I hate his dislike member. his dislike of Goldmember is funny because it's how the audience mm, is feeling. Mm.
1: <laughs> Precisely. Um. So it is. It is a strange thing because if you'd stopped at one two, Austin Powers, much like the Blair Witch Project, would have had this really really intense flash in the pan moment of culture unpacked and then just disappeared the fuck out of nowhere and everyone would have gone oh yeah shit but gold member was the fart in the lift just hung around too fucking long mm-hmm. and you're like um you kind of sullied it there was a moment where it's like this could age all right and be like oh you remember that you know wayne's world party on garthia party on wayne great i'm glad we didn't get a fucking wayne's world three Because I feel like I love those films, but yeah, Yeah. we don't need a third one. I think all the jokes are played out by, I mean, um, Austin Powers, The Spy of Shag Me, basically had played out the whole thing. It had done everything it could do, it said everything it could say, and that was inherent by the third one. There is nothing in there that I thought that's what you needed to come back and do and make. There was nothing there for me.
0: So good luck, Tim.
3: (laughs) This is true. I apologize,
0: (laughs) Tim.
1: Necromongers. bit of an
3: uphill climb. (laughs) Now, maybe you're looking for something to put beside your Swedish-made penis enlarger pump, uh, where it has pride of place uh, on your bathroom shelf. Well, I have excellent news for you. Bruch is an electric toothbrush that will change the way you think about brushing your teeth. With powerful sonic technology and ultra-gentle bristles, the Bruch redefines what it means to have super clean teeth and yes there's an umlaut in there it's like that feeling when you just leave the dentist a fresh whole mouth clean every single day and our listeners get 15% off their total purchase with code pod 15 that's pod 15 follow the link in our show notes and enter the code pod 15 to get your exclusive discount and upgrade your oral care routine with Bruch. So before we get on
0: to fixing by Mister Mister Darling Tim Batum, we're going to talk about some Rotten Tomatoes because it's interesting. Gentlemen, I know I say that quite a lot. There's no funny business this time. There's three films. There's three ratings. Let's do it. I want to. I want to know your guesses. Starting in 1997, international man of mystery Matthew. What How do you quick fire do you want these? Fucking hit me. Do you want to do right. all three? If I you want to do go all mental? three in one go, whoa, whoa, I okay. Th- I have a theory, I have a theory, okay. Okay,
1: it's not a good theory, but I have a theory. I think critics might have tolerated the first one and then hated the rest.
0: Mm. Interesting,
1: but I'm gonna go for a sliding scale. So, you ready for this? <laughs> first one, 77%, okay. Second one, 64%, third one, 51%. Just a 70s, 60s,
0: 50s. Bold, rapid fire. I like it, Matthew. Just okay. call him like a Sim. Yep. Tim, when do you reckon?
3: I, I have a very similar theory mm. Um, mm. because I think I think it, 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 in a lot of ways, it's like, Spyro Shag me kind of, it, it's still funny, but I, I, I think there's definitely the signs of like, good first film, mediocre th- second film, pretty bad third film it's like a classic mm. slide into mediocrity and and dreck so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna use a similar pattern uh to matthew but i i mine's mine's a little steeper and i'm gonna start a little lower i'm gonna say 72 for international man of mystery 52 for spy of shag me and 32 or Ooh. gold member that might be it. That's to be fair, 20, be
0: 20, 20 drop. Yeah, I like that, it. Drop in, I like drop in it. twenty every time. <laughs> nice. Well, interestingly enough, Tim wins. However,
3: <gasps> yes,
0: because he nailed. This is important. <laughs> you nailed international man of mystery at seventy two, and you nailed spy who shagged me at fifty two. Really? Yes. However. Matt, you are way closer with Gold Member. Gold Member somehow is one percent higher. What? By who shagged me?
3: It's those fucking people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck? Why do people? Jesus! Why do they like? It's just Beyonce fans.
0: For the record, it's (laughs) seventy two percent, then fifty two percent, then fifty three percent. That's bullshit. The audience score as is often the case makes way more sense we have 77 for the first one 71 for the second one and then 44 for the third
1: one Wow. okay that feels more in line with what i remember yeah Mm -hmm. yeah
0: yeah i thought that was a very interesting divergence between critics and the fact that goldmember is one percent higher uh, from 185 reviews for Goldmember and only 90 reviews for The Spy U Shagby. So, wow. you know, having those few I'd, extra reviews yeah, is what would have...
3: I'd, I'd be fascinated to see, like, a proper aggregate store, score unlike what Rotten Tomatoes is because I reckon there's a lot yeah. of people who shifted from this is a good film to this is a fine film but still technically counts as positive yeah, by yeah, Rotten yeah. Tomatoes standards uh, from... from Spy who shagged me to to gold member, but mm. yeah, interesting. Very Always strange. interesting.
0: Well, for the first time ever, let's go over to Metacritic, shall we, with the aggregate scores. Ooh! So, international man of mystery, and you're going to hate this, gentlemen. No, you, I hope you're ready for this. Fifty-one percent. Wow! For international man of mystery. I get it. Fifty-nine percent for the spy who shagged me.
1: Wait, sorry, wait, wait. Fifty-one to fifty-nine. Correct. Don't get that, but okay.
0: You're not gonna get this one either. Sixty-two for gold What?
1: How? You
3: goddamn gold member freaks! (laughs) You maniacs!
1: You. This is the critics.
3: They're meant to know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. They don't. Mm -hmm. Oh, god damn! That's annoying. God, the early, the late nineties, the early two thousands were all. Weird
0: time. It's a considerably smaller pool on Metacritic because it doesn't track mm. as far back as uh, Rotten Tomatoes. So more contemporary. So twenty-five reviews for International Man of Mystery, thirty-four reviews for Spy Who Shagged Me, and thirty-four reviews for Goldmember as well.
3: God damn man, there's some, there's some still, weirdos in there skewing, skewing the pool. Madness. Some madness. Oh We're still right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> this is another Shrek too. This is a hill we're willing to die on. Damn right. Yep. Just, just for the record. Myers, That's, we're coming for your career, motherfucker. You have <laughs> questioned our stubbornness. Yeah. <laughs> right. without the way with the horrors of the critical response out of the way for the yeah. trilogy. Jesus. Tim, you're our man for fixing this film. What's the plan? What are you up to? What are you going to do? Who are you going to cast? Seven more Mike okay. Myers.
3: <laughs> How many characters
0: yeah. does Mike Myers play?
3: Mike Myers is out. <laughs> no. Wow, that would all of I can not. expect.
1: That... is Mike Myers to be a Gary Oldman and saying everyone.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah. Right. So, I have stuck with the same year of release, two thousand and two. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Um, it's it's, it's, it's a think... limited time on that one. Yes, comedy has a has a tighter window unless you're going to come back like twenty years later and take mm-hmm. advantage of nostalgia. Yep. Uh, I've also stuck with the same director, Jay Roach. Like I say, these films have visual identity that a lot of more contemporary comedies don't, and I think he does a fine job. Like the the he he actually does a pretty good parody of like John Woo Mission Impossible when he does that opening sequence with the the helicopter and Tom yep. Cruise. Yeah, like yeah. he he actually pulls that. You know, obviously that's probably a lot of like Second Unit.
0: Steven Spielberg's you know, there stunt, to help He's some coordinator. The director yes, should he's... know
3: who to bring on board to make that work. That's still a thing. Yeah. That's still a credit. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's yeah. he's fine as a director. Uh, I have changed the title because I I'll, t- I'll tell you this: there's no fucking gold member in my movie. Oh, one, ten out of one ten. One We're done here, people. <laughs> uh, my title is Austin Powers colon on Victoria's Secret Service.
0: <laughs> oh, Tim! Well Keep done. Keeping sir. it.
3: Keeping a bond, I like it. I like it. Well done. Yeah. Uh, so, returning cast, we have as Austin Powers, Doctor Evil, and Fat Bastard, Mike Myers. Right. Yep.
0: Is oh. he playing anyone else, or is that going to be a reveal later on? Or so, that will be sense. a reveal
3: later. There's so I'll I'll obviously I'll give you the, the some cast members at the top. There are some reveals in the film nice. be cameos yep. In yep. because because, because it well, is. it's not really cameos. It's oh, it's some interesting roles that I okay. wanted to have. Okay. Okay. Not. Spoiled. not front loaded cool that's yeah. fair that's fair
0: you're doing a me with the spoiler cast thing
3: exactly it's, it's also how these films unfold that makes sense I, I get that yeah so yeah so so returning as, as all the people he played before Mike Myers uh Mini me played by Vern Troyer uh, days, Scott Vern evil Troyer. played by Seth Green number two Robert Wagner Frau Farbissner Mindy Sterling and basil Exposition Michael York
0: great so far so good.
3: Yeah, all the all the classic lineup of the characters that you would expect yep. from an Austin Powers film. Um, so I do have a few cast members who I have carried over from Gold Member, uh, but they are in different roles. Sure. So we'll get we'll get to them as we go through. So new cast as chastity belter, <laughs> uh, we have Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. Who obviously okay. is in the film is in Austin Pussy in in Goldmember, uh playing Dixie Normus. Uh I have her in a larger role here. Sploding mm, Candle. Yes. Uh she's she's done seven, she's done Shakespeare in Love, she's just done Royal Ten and Bounds at this point. Goes on to do um Sylvia, Iron Man, Contagion, and sell candles on goop.
2: <laughs>
3: As Mr. Twink. <laughs> We have Rupert Everett. Hey. Nice. Uh, Also done Shakespeare in Love recently, done My Best Friend's Wedding, uh, An Ideal Husband, goes on to be stage beauty, Stardust, and voice Prince Charming in Shrek 2. Uh, As Mr. Bear, we have Nathan Lane.
0: (laughs) Mr. Twink and Mr.
3: Bear. Brilliant.
2: Uh,
3: He's obviously done uh, The Lion King, Birdcage, Mouse Hunt, uh, goes on to be in the producers, uh, does a lot of stage acting, mimes Beyonce and Goldmember, and, and, yes, and is also in Goldmember in a weird little cameo. Yeah, yeah. I love Nathan Lane; I
1: think he's fantastic.
3: As Monsieur Zombie, uh, we have Tim Meadows, nice. uh, best best known prior to this for being on SNL and Wayne, uh, in Wayne's World too. Obviously, has the connection with Mike Myers there. Yeah. Goes on to be in Mean Girls, uh, in Walk Hard, The Dewey Cox Story, and in Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Mm -hmm. Always, always love some Tim Meadows. Can't go wrong with Tim Meadows. He's good. Absolutely. Yeah. As Cinnamon Buns, uh, we have Beyonce. Hey, Mm. nice. Uh, Previously known from music, (laughs) from Beyonce. Destiny's Child, and for being Beyonce, goes on to be in The Pink Panther, Dream Girls. Epic, which I think is underrated. Mm. DreamWorks mm-hmm, thing, sure. it's quite fun. Uh, and and the Lion King oh, yeah. is her cinematic uh, thing, but obviously much better known for being fucking Beyonce. Yeah. And then finally, at least in 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 the ones I'm revealing now, as Clarence the Peculiar, uh, we have Mark Heap. Oh wow! Uh wow. Best known uh, for being in British sitcoms like Brass Eye, Spaced, Green Wing. Um, B- Brian he's in,
0: from Space. Brian he's, from Space. He's
3: Brian from Space. Bri- Hello, Brian. <laughs> uh goes on to be in uh, the Calcium Kid, the weird Orlando Bloom boxing movie. Uh that is and a weird he's also movie. in also in Stardust in a small role. Partially also, filmed in Norwich. Yeah. Partially filmed, partially filmed in Norwich. <laughs> to fame. Also, f- here's a fun fact I've, for I you. I was
0: about to say this, I think.
3: <laughs> His first state uh, first yep. cinematic credit is he is a juggler. In Octopussy. Yep. <laughs> that is very weird. Mark Heap uh, is in he, Octopussy, ladies Because he uh, has originally trained in, like, circus skills and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. is is uh, a very young juggler in Octopussy. So there you go.
0: Okay. Would he be the first guy to be in a Bond film and also... And then appear in an Austin Powers movie? I think he would. Who else, I think would, he who would, else have would have distinction? done that?
1: Oh, there must be a cameo from somewhere. There somebody. must be
0: a cameo somewhere. But... Yeah, mm. if we can get if one. we can get Mark Heap to be the guy that crosses it yeah. <laughs> of all the people, <laughs> yeah, nobody would go. Oh, it's the juggler from Octopus. You're like, oh, yeah, oh, Brian. It feels like oh, Robert
3: yeah. Robert Wagner should have been yeah, yeah. Some... in. Yeah, yeah, you think so? Yeah. Anyway, anyway, let's let's get into the pitch. Uh, so we'll go, me, Jack, Matt. Got it. Okay. In New Orleans, FBI agent Cinnamon Buns is captured as she attempts to disarm a biological weapon set to explode on a riverboat casino. Tied up next to the device, all hope seems lost until Austin Powers arrives, piloting a Union flag emblazoned hovercraft down the Mississippi. He evades goons on jet skis until a missile is launched at his hovercraft, which he avoids by taking off using a jetpack. Landing on the boat, he dispatches more goons, disarms the bomb, and unties cinnamon buns. Very quick question, just a just a brief one. Mm-hmm.
1: Is this set in two thousand two at the minute? Yes. I, I, I figured it was. I just wanted to make yeah.
0: sure. Thank you. Very I, much. I was wondering yeah. if you were keeping it <clears throat> mysterious. Like, you were going to reveal <laughs> it's been nineteen eighty five this whole time. Oh no! <laughs> Everyone's on, on cunk. This is this is yeah.
1: this is two thousand and two. Okay, cool, cool, okay. cool, cool, cool. So, so, day. so Beyonce is contemporary FBI
3: agent Beyonce. Yes, right. She's not saying sugar cool. every five fucking seconds. <laughs> no, no <laughs> thankfully not. I mean, she's still going to be wearing a stupid outfit that an FBI agent would never wear. Yeah, but, you know, it's an Austin does, film but it's yep. Powers. It's still Austin Powers. let not crazy. Thank you, thank
0: you. Austin's about to kiss the swiftly seduced Cinnamon when the pair are surrounded by a group of henchmen and the mime slash voodoo themed villain Monsieur Zombie. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Distracted and confused by Zombie's mishmash theme, <laughs> as in his his voodoo mime crossover yes right. yes yeah. you
3: can imagine austin just being like i don't understand what's going on it, like, how could he be got dead the, but yeah. also miming the, you've, baby you've got the beret and the the skull face paint <laughs> and the striped shirt yeah. and the top hat i yeah. don't understand yeah love yeah. it mm-hmm.
0: powers is disarmed and he and cinnamon cower as zombie closes in on them however they soon realize that all the villain seems to want to do is laugh menacingly so they simply walk out of the room.
3: Hmm. <laughs> this is a, a Baron Sandy
1: reference yeah, for, for people like, who haven't. I, nice. I'm liking the, the, the Bond desk and also genuine Orleans stuff here. This is good. This is good. Yeah.
0: They depart using Austin's jetpack as the boat explodes and land in New Orleans to celebrate with a dance number. I assume Beyonce is singing at this point and.
3: Probably. Yeah. yeah nice. Yeah. Something like that. At
1: Dr. Evil's mountaintop base in the Swiss Alps, so far great, love it. Better than the Hollywood Hills. Makes sense. He has convened his evil council to formulate a new plan to take over the world. Dun, dun, dun! But is constantly interrupted by annoying European snowboarders. (laughs) Frustrated by this, and by powers constantly foiling his plans, he announces his decision to go somewhere. Austin can no longer meddle in his schemes. I feel a Tim Curry moment. Even if they've already gone to space. <laughs> space,
2: but uh, space.
1: They've been to space. Okay, so that's interesting. I what, okay, mm. Tim, you you hooked me in here. I mean, I like the mm. Bond stuff so far. I like the sort of typical. Mm-hmm. This is what I expect from a parody pastiche kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm intrigued. you have gone, gone the for the, the the classic uh, cold open yeah. Bond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, bond and it feels like Roger yeah. Moore, which means you are feeling actual progression
3: of the franchise. So yeah, like, I like it. At British Intelligence HQ, Austin is introduced to a new mole within Dr. Evil's in- organisation. Fat bastard. The former henchman explains he's been going to therapy to deal with his health-esteem issues and he's changed his ways, insisting on hugging a very uncomfortable Austin to signal his good intentions. He reveals that Dr. Evil is planning on travelling back in time to 1899... <sighs> to take over the world using his superior modern technology. Holy hell. And also intends to wipe Austin from history by killing off one of his ancestors. You're
0: back to the future it, Tim.
3: Back to the fucking future.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, I'm so ready. This-, this, is a, <laughs> this is about to be a back to the future crossover. I swear I think, to
1: God. <laughs> I think if this is Britain and it's sticking with England, I think I know where this is going. Mm. I'm, 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 mm.
0: I'm Tim, I'm rubbing
1: my hands with curiosity intriguing. here. Very intriguing. I could be wrong. I could be wrong.
0: Using his VW Beetle time machine, because of course he does, which has been crudely disguised as a horse, to <laughs> attract <after laughs> attention, Austin also travels back to 1899, finding himself in Victorian England. He attempts to track down his ancestor using a genetic detector provided to him by Basil, but his outlandish clothes and overt sexuality offend the people he encounters, and he's carted off to Bedlam. So far, so Austin Powers. Yeah,
1: this this actually feels... (laughs) You've had
0: me laughing, that's already a good sign.
1: (laughs) It's the fish out of water again, and that's what it needs to be, rather than I'm in the 70s Mm -hmm. and everything's the same. Yeah. Meanwhile, Dr. Evil has constructed a steampunk submarine to serve as his new base, and it is currently hiding in the Thames. He has brought some of Victorian London's criminal element on board, hoping to make contact with the period's major crime bosses but he struggles to understand their thick, cockney accents, and instead decides to simply (laughs) blow up Big Ben as a sign of his power, replacing the top of the tower with a giant model of his own head.
0: So you're bringing back the Shatner turtle scene (laughs) but between henchmen instead. I
1: I like that we are basically um, seemingly pipping, I should say, pipping the League of
3: Extraordinary Gentlemen here, in terms (laughs) of the the Victorian nostalgia. Good, cool. yeah. In Bedlam, Austin and the other patients are visited by a group of female activists protesting for better conditions. He attracts the attention of one called Chastity Belter, uh, which, of course, prompts the quote of like, how disappointing. Ah, uh, mm. I mean, suffrage <laughs> and things. That, yeah? Interesting, interesting. Uh, and intrigues her by telling her he comes from a time when men and women are equal and everyone is free to be whoever they want to be, shag whoever they want to shag. So naive, so naive. In 2021, with hindsight. (laughs) When the guards are distracted by Dr. Evil's attack on Big Ben, she helps him escape and the two head to the London slums, following the signal on Austin's tracker.
0: At a seedy bar, Chastity questions Austin about his time, asking him if, in the enlightened world of the future, women have equal power in government, earn as much as men do for the same jobs, and no longer provide domestic labour for free. Austin replies, Well, there's this thing called girl power. (laughs) But their conversation is interrupted when a fight breaks out with four thugs attempting to beat up a solitary fig bearded figure. Despite being outnumbered, the figure triumphs and Austin realises that his genetic <laughs> detector is pointing to this individual. Matt's just read ahead and collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> I was he approaches right. the stranger who removes his false beard, dons a deer stalker cap and introduces himself as Sherlock Holmes. So we're also An important note Danny here, Junior. listeners. Played... By Mike Myers, <laughs> Yep. Oh my God, Tim! I'm,
1: I'm actually okay with it. I, I, it genuinely fits. We are now. We, I, again. You got so much Bond at the start that it's now going to Victorian London. I think this is.
0: What is what is Holmes if not Victorian Bond? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Coked up idiot. Yeah, yeah. The astonished Austin exclaims that he thought Holmes was a fictional character, to which Sherlock responds. That the British government keeps his existence secret, pretending he's just a story over fears that it would make England too interesting. <laughs> Austin begins to explain that Sherlock is in great danger when police officers arrive, along with Dr. Watson. Oh, played by David Hyde Pierce. God damn it, Niles. That's <laughs> pretty damn good. Although now I kind of wish that Kelsey Graham was playing Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> To summon Sherlock to Buckingham Palace
0: yeah, It's a, it's a Frasier crossover Yeah <laughs> <laughs> For some
1: reason
3: He invites Austin and Chastity to join him Aboard Dr Evil's submarine base Evil is lamenting to Mini-Me and his evil council About the quality of the food in Victorian London When the lights go out Switching back on to reveal a cloaked figure Who introduces himself as Professor Moriarty Played by Rip Torn
2: <laughs> Oh
1: my god Wow that's a choice <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Fresh off the Men in Blacks oh my Yes God. T- t- the Same year as Men in Black yeah. too
3: yeah. So, you know. uh, Moriarty offers to assist Dr. Evil in his plans to take over the world Noting that he can assist Dr. Evil, Christ, uh, that was poorly written uh, In in uh, Navigating this era The two quickly bond, much to the disgust of Scott and Mini-Me, and Moriarty Offers to cement their friendship by sending A pair of assassins to kill off Austin whose presence he has learned of thanks to his network of spies.
0: At Buckingham Palace, Austin and Sherlock are introduced to Queen Victoria, played by Angela <laughs> Lansbury. <laughs> that's that's oh, good, Oh my that's God, good. amazing. Who instructs the pair to discover who is behind the attack on Big Ben and stop them from causing further destruction. The straight-laced Sherlock, apart from all the heroine, is shocked when Austin <laughs> flirts with Queen Victoria and chastises his descendant, despite Victoria kind of flirting back. He complains that Austin is undisciplined and driven by his basest impulses, despairing over what has become of his bloodline, but Victoria insists that Austin be part of the mission. The pair, along with Chastity and Watson, travel to the Royal Albert Hall, which has also been attacked by Dr. Evil, replacing its iconic dome with another replica of his big bald head.
1: (laughs) Sherlock deduces that the attacks are a distraction, meant to keep them busy while Evil carries out his true plan. While Holmes searches for clues, Austin and Chastity are attacked by Moriarty's henchmen, Mr. Twink and Mr. Bear, who attempt—hang <laughs> <laughs> um, on—who attempt to get a pigeon to drop dynamite on Austin. I feel like it's before before Tim has started on the show, a boy releases a pigeon. Um... <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> There's a callback. Austin and Chastity survive, but Powers becomes frustrated with Sherlock's slow, laborious methods of detection. He asks Watson if Holmes is always so buttoned up, and Watson confides that Sherlock does have a deeply repressed, wild side, but it only comes out under the influence of narcotics, a habit Holmes has thankfully kicked. For now, I imagine. Mm.
3: (laughs) Dr. Evil and Moriarty continue to grow closer, and we are shown a montage of the pair riding bikes together, sharing an ice cream sundae, and pushing children into
2: ponds.
3: (laughs) Increasingly jealous, Minnie me attempts to kill Moriarty with a crossbow, but instead hits Scott Evil. Giddy over his new friendship, Evil and Moriarty address Evil's council, revealing their plans to kidnap famous hypnotist Clarence the Peculiar, (laughs) and transmit his mesmeric powers worldwide, brainwashing the globe. My God.
0: Who knew Brian from space would be the key to all of this? Hello, Brian. Following a suspicious peanut shell that Sherlock found at the Albert Hall, Austin and company attend a circus at the Crystal Palace. Austin is approached by a Victorian drug dealer, who he steers towards Holmes in an attempt to get him to loosen up. Chastity spots Mr. Twink and Mr. Bear taking part in a suspicious exchange backstage, and Austin attempts to follow them, but a coked-up Sherlock causes mayhem among the circus performers, playing terrible music on the violin and letting all the animals loose. Great. Nice.
1: Nice. Austin loses track of Twink and Bear and realises that having bottled, up his, me every time. <laughs> having bottled up his mojo for so long, Sherlock has no control over it. Away from the chaos of the main tent, Mr. Twink and Mr. Bear kill the ringmaster and kidnap Clarence the Peculiar, smuggling him aboard Dr. Evil's submarine. Sherlock recovers from the drug's effects and realises he has cost them their lead. But Minnie appears, offering Austin the location of Dr. Evil's submarine.
3: Austin, Sherlock, Chastity and Middy me sneak aboard the submarine using old-fashioned diving suits and defeat Mr. Twink and Mr. Bear, but discover that Evil and Moriarty have already departed with Clarence. Sherlock deduces that the villains plan to use the newly built telescope at the Greenwich Observatory to magnify Clarence's powers, and the heroes speed to the location in a carriage pulled by three horses and Austin's disguised time machine.
0: (laughs) At Greenwich Observatory... Austin fights Dr. Evil and Sherlock duels Moriarty while Chastity attempts to free Clarence. The two heroes defeat their evil counterparts, but Scott Evil, seeking his father's approval, gets the drop on Sherlock, firing a gun at him. Austin dives in the way, taking the bullet, and as Watson disarms Scott, Sherlock rushes to Austin's side. He tells Austin he now understands that by embracing life, love, and everything that makes him human, Austin is a better, braver crime fighter. Mainly the Um. coke, though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, Doctor Evil's brainwashing machine cannot be deactivated and it springs into life, threatening to leave the world's population as blank slates now that Clarence has been freed from it. Austin attempts to take Clarence's place, but his injuries are too severe, so Sherlock volunteers. With Austin's
3: encouragement, he finally lets his mojo flow, transmitting his vibes across the planet. (laughs) After the machine finishes transmitting, Sherlock and Holmes take Moriarty into custody and bid Austin farewell. Chastity decides to join Austin in the future, and the pair put Dr. Evil and Mini Me into Austin's time machine and travel back to 2002. As they depart, Sherlock wonders aloud what effect his global mojo transmission will have and what future awaits Austin. Arriving in 2002, Austin and the others discover it has been transformed into a free love utopia. And Austin and Chastity celebrate with a big dance sequence, much to the annoyance of Dr. Evil.
0: (laughs) Nice. I like it, Tim. I like it a lot.
1: We had a conversation before starting, oddly enough, in a a weird way of recording today, where we said, no one's gone off the fucking wall crazy this season. (laughs) We've all been quite, not not predictable, but pretty straight-laced with
0: it. Sherlock Holmes played by Mike Myers. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And the thing is... As I said before about the fact that in 2002, it had been played out and blah, blah, blah. You need to be drastic and dramatic to actually make it relevant and things and yada, yada, yada. This does a very interesting thing in that it capitalizes on something that is very much happening already. So in the early 2000s, I mean, yes, okay, eventually you end up 2009 with you know, Guy Ritchie, Sherlock Holmes, but based on things like you know the revival of the whole... British invasion. Yeah, this kind is of long stuff.
0: before the Benedict Cumberbatch version. Very much so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But in 2001, you got From Hell with Johnny Depp. In 2003, I mentioned The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Shanghai Knights, although it's not a great sequel still, that, you know, in London. Um, 2005, you had like another version of Oliver Twist. The, the Victorian thing was constantly, perpetually there. I think this just feels like it wouldn't be that unusually out of place, even to a degree like a Knight's Tale. I know it's not Victorian London, but it still <laughs> ends up in London. That was the year before. This yeah. idea of like London and you know the agent Cody Banks bullshit. It just tends to be this weird gravitation. And obviously I know it's Austin Powers, it's already steeped in this idea of old Britain to to, to go back to a different London and rather than doing in nineties doing in eighteen nineties. Yeah, I, I think that's actually a very logical, very clever. Way to, I, I must admit, as as um Jack described it the first book with that, so many Bond bits and so many Roger Moore 70 stuff. Love that that was great. And then I thought is he done a, has he done a cowboy film? I don't know if that's <laughs> going to work. That's that's I, I
0: I joked about the back to the future 3 thing and I thought and Tim had a little sly grin on his face. And <laughs> like, "Oh my god, if the secret castings <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking <laughs> Christopher Lloyd, <laughs> <Lewis. laughs>
2: yeah,
1: great Michael Scott Fox.
0: Austin. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> if uh-huh. Michael Fox and Christopher Lloyd show up, I will yeah. lose my shit.
1: But when I got to Victorian London, I was like, this is going to be a Sherlock Holmes thing, and I'm going to enjoy it because it's not run to death like it is now. Yeah, you know, yeah. Holmes has always been fucking perpetually run out like fucking Robin yeah. Hood. But I'm like, mm, yeah, like
0: one of the most played by multiple uh, more Next people played by more people than anyone else. Yeah. Like on screen than yes, any yes. other fictional character in the history of fiction or something like that. Is,
1: mm. This would yeah. have to be,
3: a, it surely has to be a swan song. This has to be like the end of it. I, oh, yeah. I can't, can't you can imagine it. Yeah. 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 No, I, I don't think, well, even, even if this is a raging success, I can't imagine where you would mm. go from here. 1799. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm running with 799.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, you've, you've, we've been, we mentioned before like horror and comedy and, and it's hard to write down and convey in, in, a, in a pitch of this nature, but I think, we, it, like with my Analyze That script, because we know the kind of people playing these kind of roles, the simple inference of where the joke is going, we can escalate that in our head. We know how that's going to play out, we know what kind of thing... So, for example, like Mike Myers playing Sherlock Holmes, he could do it five different ways, but I feel I know how he would do it. We probably do like a Basil Rathbone style, uh, but with mm-hmm. his own trait. For example, Goldmember has a thing that goes, he quotes something and then he says quietly, "Curse you, sunshine band." He's like, "What are you doing?" I'm mesmerising my thing. He's like, "Why are you doing a hush?" Mm. What, what? What's that? Mm. But yeah. I can imagine that being a weird trope where he literally does. F- okay, the way I see this is how Peter Sellers did Doctor Strangelove, where he's <laughs> like, "I'm completely in control, Mind Fuhrer," and he's like, oh, "No, fighting my arm. No, must have the cocaine, and yeah. heroin. Oh." I'm perfectly fine. Don't worry about it. That kind of like you know yeah. stupid Mike Myers shit. But I like, can imagine being good along with David Hyde Pierce being completely fucking straight man on that shit. Uh, yeah, uh, this is a great cast. Good setting. You are effectively—I wouldn't say abandoning. You're dropping a lot of the sort of Bond stuff. But again, a hmm. couple of years prior, Sean Connery was in a fucking Avengers movie. Not Avengers. We know them now. The the C B yeah. series, the yeah, <laughs> Avengers. Yep. Part of that the British Avengers, th- but yeah. not that British Avengers. you think I mentioned yeah. before the yeah. '60s, '90s nostalgia bullshit? Like, yeah. let's bring this yeah. back. Why? Um, but <laughs> so weird enough, it, it feels kind of in a weird way. Like, yeah, makes sense.
0: Um, I almost imagine like Sherlock is is good at deduction, but he almost can't help himself from deducing everything. I'm thinking of the Pete Holmes sketch. If you, that, uh, Sherlock Holmes, sucks at deduction, where he just <laughs> Ah yes, well the uh, the scratches on the side of the book there mean that it must have been removed three times in the last three weeks, and means it must be a secret passage. Like it's it's just a book. Like well, the the murderer's <laughs> instrument must be the candelabra over there. It's moved six inches since it was placed <laughs> there six and a half years ago. Uh, he, he's got a bullet wound so it's just, it, he's not killed by <laughs> like that kind of stuff I can yeah. totally imagine my Myers being like mm. just constantly deducing stuff or like like you said muttering stuff under his breath as Austin is saying stuff and then be like mm. yes yeah, so well that that doesn't and like very posh English kind of yeah, yeah. muttering I, under his breath I
3: can also and, and sorry and talking about um, sort of previous versions of, of Sherlock like the fact that uh Myers has so much nostalgia for the sixties, like you had fucking Peter Cushing playing Sherlock Holmes mm, in the 60s, true. which yeah, I'm sure true. he would have seen um the Hammer horror up stuff and, and the, all the, the bits and pieces yeah, like that. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. And so I think he would pastiche some of those versions of Sherlock Holmes yeah. in his in his performance.
1: Yeah, I I I agree.
3: I it's it's it's
1: not dramatically outside the realms of credulity. I think this is very much a, a potential thing that could happen quite and could be reasonable. I think some people say, oh, it's not really a Bond thing anymore. It's like, well, who was the original Bond? That kind of thing. I could see that being, you know, uh, nodded that way. Um, and again, I can, I can just, for better and for worse, see where the jokes would go. So, for example, like Holmes' endless deduction Holmes. Yes, I, I've, I've come to the conclusion that uh, in the future... Where Austin is from. There must be some sort of device. And knowing about his stature, his height, the the curl of, and, and fold of his trousers, some sort of pump mechanism, perhaps.
2: From yeah.
1: the Scandinavian <laughs> nations. And he's like, no, yeah, right yeah. honestly, baby. And he's talking like, you know, <laughs> sort of fucking Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't know what he's talking yeah. about. In the future, we don't need it in the future. No, I'm sure of like a method. Yes. Yes, maybe like a yeah, that kind of bullshit. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I can see that crap playing out, but in a way, somehow in something that gold member never had by doing the same jokes over and over and over by literally just changing the setting not the 70s which doesn't feel like it's that different Mm. but dramatically changing the setting you can replay some of the jokes not that you should but you could do that and it would feel new
0: weirdly enough on saturday night live in 1991 mike myers played lestrade (laughs) as a sherlock holmes parody with jeremy irons as the guest as sherlock and Phil Hartman as Watson, oh. and that get-up, which I'm sh- I'm sharing for the yeah. listeners on, yeah, the, on the video yeah, right yeah, now yeah. is exactly how I imagined him with a big silly mustache <laughs> and the deerstalker cap and the the pipe out of his mouth and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah, really hamming it up as as Mike Myers does. And I had that vis- I had that like as soon as you said played by Mike Myers, I was like, I've definitely seen Mike Myers <laughs> playing Sherlock <Charlotte> Holmes <laughs> <Coney's> before. <laughs> Turns out I was wrong. It's LeStrade, but still. <laughs> same thing yeah. I, I love it yeah i think that works really well and i think yeah. bringing him in as another character can be done badly as we saw in gold member because you bring mm. him as another villain that then plays off of dr evil and it just dr evil is getting annoyed with mm. him and as the audience are getting annoyed and, with him and all that and kind of stuff
3: as we said gold member is a nothing character at least with yeah. sherlock holmes there is plenty for him to get a hold of there
0: and you've already got the audience. Like aware of that character everybody knows who mm. Sherlock yeah. Holmes is even as mm. you said Matt he's not quite the cultural phenomenon and the rebirth of him over the last with Sherlock and mm. the Robert Downey Jr stuff in elementary with Johnny Lee mm. Miller and all that kind of stuff but it's ahead of actually, the time he's, it's ahead of the curve he's one of them he's one of the most famous fictional characters ever for a reason yes. and people will yeah. go <laughs> oh, oh my god, he's doing Sherlock Holmes. This yeah. is brilliant. And we have, like, Matt had that realisation as we were reading it, yeah, like,
2: yeah.
0: oh, he's going to do Holmes. Oh, this is clever. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll tell you my only fear. My concern is something that's going to happen no matter what. So it's like, you, well, let's do, what What kind of things are there in, in, in Victorian? What, what defines the empire? Well, I guess there's the Raj. And it's like, oh, fuck. Um, and obviously Queen Victoria had, uh, you know, the empire in India. Oh, so we can definitely have a character called, like, Chandrajit and it's played by Mike Myers. No, we fuck it. And in 2002, they would happily do that. I'm like, hmm. Now, I would I, think there's no room for it because there's enough fucking shit going on.
3: Yeah. But I can see him doing it. I think it's because it's so rooted in London, it wouldn't necessarily touch on that. If it was more. It was empire. Globetrotting. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Then I then I think it. Yeah, there, mm. there is that
1: certain worry. But yeah. Hopefully, it's again, hopefully, it's chocked enough that it doesn't need to be. I think it's, I also, by the way, I like the fact you include a character who's literally talking about women's suffrage, and saying like, "Oh, the future must be amazing." Yeah, it is. It's really good. And then it's like, "What about all these things?" Oh, well, we'll you know, you got this. <laughs> yeah. It's like right.
0: Uh, this is a completely equal. everything's sorted in the future, right? This uh, is, yeah. This is,
1: don't have to wear as many petticoats. Yeah. This is a strange non non issue thing. What well, non issue? This is a strange thing to bring up in terms of the, the, this, but it's still mm-hmm. worth mentioning. I'm always shocked, appalled and amazed when a nomination for something comes out and people say, this is the first time a uh, Muslim man has been nominated for Oscars. Like, yeah, what? That kind of thing. And they're <laughs> like, this is the first time a female group has won uh, the Brit Awards. I'm like, no. Wait, what? What? And so, yeah. for you don't know, the Brit Awards is a big music thing here and uh, Little Mix won it for the first time. I thought, wait, mm-hmm. you mean Spice Girls and Girls Aloud and, and, and all the same. None of them yeah. won. No! Lil' Mix was the first to win it. It's like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And so that kind of like comparisons, like, yeah, we had like, you know, Ladettes and, and Girl Power and stuff in the 90s. Mm. And it, it, even in like 2002, you'd be aware about, it's a start. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, just just that just that sly acknowledgement in the, the way that the mm. Austin Powers kind of format is is well suited to do that. So that's almost like, mm, yeah, all right. And then straight to camera, like, mm
2: in yeah, awful way of like
1: <laughs> I I'm part of the problem, but also mm, which is also a very British way of doing something. Delivering mm. something you don't want to say and then making a face as if it's a consolation prize. <laughs> but I think yeah. that was good, Tim. I enjoyed that. I I, my fucking fury for Gold Member is, is sated. And this is a much better movie. It's it's bold, very bombastic, very bold. And I think for a lot of people go, mm, not a,
0: not an Austin Powers film. It's like, I think you get away with it because you've already established time travel in this series,
1: and that's something I hate. Well, yeah, the
0: yeah, <laughs> time travel not
1: freezing time makes sense. Backward opens a problem.
0: Yeah, hello, yeah. Marvel. Well, exactly, <laughs> but yeah, I think you have enough already established. You can get away with the bullshit because yeah. this yeah. is a film full of silliness and bullshit, and that's kind of the point <laughs> yeah. of the series. The, yeah, the the rules are incredibly loosey goosey for <laughs> a reason. You can just parody and do whatever, basically. But yeah, Yeah. I absolutely love your casting choices. Even Mm -hmm. the the extra little sneaky cast in particular were Mm -hmm. were really good. Rip Torn as Moriarty is just like, "Mm, yes, give that to me. Um, David Hyde Pierce as (laughs) Watson. Yeah, totally makes sense. Um, I guess he would pretty much be famous for... Frazier at that point, right? Like, I'm trying to yeah. Think. So he he obviously would... goes on to be um, in Hellboy, which I I really love. Yes, as a uh, he's, he's done Nixon.
3: Wet Hot American Summer mm. uh, quite recently at that point, and and done the, uh, a voice in Osmosis Jones, I think a year before, and then goes on to do uh, yeah, like you say, Hellboy uh, and um, uh, Down with Love as well. Uh, the 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 kind of 60s uh, parody. Uh, rom-com.
1: I think people would probably recognize his voice from *A Bug's Life* as well at that point.
3: Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's um, the thing. He's like, he's like, oh, that guy, and people would know enough about him that it, it would sell. Yeah, yeah.
0: Nice, yes. yeah, and then hand- obviously
3: Rip, Rip Torn, oh. *Men in Black*, easy. yeah, yeah, uh, easy. *The Insider*, and then goes on to do *Dodgeball*, um, *Sharp and Thirty Rock* and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. I haven't got any changes which feels weird like obviously keeping roach on as director makes sense mm. casting myers as Holmes makes sense mm. i think
1: the the plot progression works it's it's yep. very much an austin powers yep. kind of silly heist kind of thing it's got the room for them to do improv sort of stuff he doesn't outstay its welcome beyonce is used sparingly mm-hmm. and well
0: we we laughed as we were reading it which is a very good sign yep <laughs> because um, it's all, as we said it is very difficult to kind of inject comedy into yep. a pitch mm. script, essentially, where you're trying to just boil it down to the essentials without waffling on yeah. or not boil it down too much that you lose some of the essence of the film. You've got to yeah. find yes. that sweet spot within our kind of restraints. Yeah, Yes. And, and also I you did a really good job of that. Yeah. i would say there's
1: also the fact that um Austin Powers works best when he's a fish out of water. Some of the best sequences is when he's like trying to play a CD on a fucking record player and go, oh, not mm. understand how like a shoe works and pumps up with the air. Totally. Um, yeah, Jordan's, I think it is. and. Just, just the idea of him being a fish out of water when he goes back to the 60s and goes, oh, actually now I've sampled the 90s. I kind of don't want to be here anymore. That's mm-hmm. good. The 70s, there's, there's no consequence. Him b- traveling back and forth in time doesn't mm. do anything. He, the, the fish out of water doesn't exist. He's just there. And yeah. this is mm. another classic, not just him, but also us as an audience. Isn't like, oh, that my dad's age kind of thing. Oh, my, my mm. I remember that. I was like, no, no, no. This is Victorian London. All the stuff that you think in terms of progress is not here now. It's mm. a very different landscape, but still very silly
3: because we have that grounding of a lot of like you know other yes. stuff. So yeah, I think it's um, mm-hmm. solid. And for the people who didn't pick up on the reference, Mr. Twink and Mr. Bear are uh, parodies of uh, Mr. Wint and Mr. Kidd, yes, uh, who show up in I think it's, it's Diamonds of Diamonds Are Forever, isn't it? Yeah, uh, where they are they are he- henchmen. They're very in, in the Bond film, odd characters,
1: notoriously odd Bond characters,
3: yes, um, who are hev- heavily queer coded, yeah. uh, in in the film. Uh, so I just just lent on that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they're they're fucking.
3: I always see them as uh, Kane and
1: Lynch at failed video games. Yes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> good lord.
0: So yeah, well done, Tim. That is a far far more interesting third Austin Powers movie. Yeah. Yeah, kept everybody on board. Though who needed to be kept aboard, you kept Beyonce, keeping everyone happy.
1: Uh, well, uh, no, you tell this, you you read this pitch to any fan of Goldmember, and they'll say that was shit. No, because they're wrong. <laughs> Tim's done a great, great uh, thing here. He's 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 genuinely saved this thing, and you know, a good landing for but people who like Gold Member, which apparently is all fucking critics and public people who watch <laughs> this fucking movie, except for us,
0: sixty the highest rated on Metacritic of the trilogy. Honestly,
3: so, so strange. I don't
1: think they're like. Where's the disco? There's no disco. It's Victorian London. I want to I mean,
3: some might like it, but I doubt it. But they're wrong. Mm. Uh, you can let you can let Emma know that that Beyonce can still uh, do uh, what is it? Work it out. The the song that I she wanna, uh, wanna, wanna. yeah. Uh, I don't know if, if if it would be the same song because there's no reason for her to do kind of a 70s parody, mm. but we'll, we'll just say she does. And she say no one's going to say no to her, are they? Yeah.
0: She can do what she likes. Exactly. <laughs> well, listeners, if you have any thoughts, any feedback for any passionate gold member fans out there, there's always passionate fans for these terrible movies. Of course. Always. You can hit us up on all the different social medias we are sequelizers across the board links are in the show notes links are also at sequelizers.com for all the social media all the podcast platforms the shop the discord the patreon little bios and links to our social medias and all that kind of stuff and even an episode feed there's an episodes page where you can scroll through and find all the episodes through basically an embedded player on the website so if you're yeah missing any episodes or want to scroll back and, (laughs) and find them you can find them easily on the website There as well. If you want to follow me, I am JLW Chambers on basically everything. Come and find me on Twitter and Instagram. Matthew, how can people follow you on the social medias?
1: Stocks, S T O G H Z. You can go to the red right hand at uk to read my reviews. You can go to cheeseman.com to see the things that I make. Tim, if people want to find out how to sort of source your mojo, where can they go?
3: Uh, My mojo is sprayed all over Twitter (laughs) Uh, like a cat in heat exactly uh trivia underscore lad on twitter uh where you can check out anything that i've been doing recently or just what i fancy retweeting on that given day yeah why not why not uh take the time now while you're listening to us just uh go go on your podcast app of choice and give us give us a nice five-star review why not why not take this why not take do this that? opportunity why not do why that? not yeah why not do that
2: <laughs> yeah
1: what are you doing right now <laughs> 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 so You've got, you, you got nothing special going on. <laughs> it's hostile way of asking for um, it. It was <laughs> a yeah, <leg> up. <laughs> yeah, very hostile. But you know what? Some people respond to that. Resident Evil Eight. That's true. That.
0: Some people need to be told. Somebody it's just, to just facts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, next week we'll have something once again completely different to this episode. Oh yeah. Will there be some thematic ties and some weird casting inconsistencies? Who knows? We'll find out next week. But until then, thank you much for listening, everybody.